gentlemen, welcome into Hoopsville on this Monday evening. I'm your host, Dave McHugh, and we're coming to you from the NABC studios thanks to our partners at d3hoops.com and, of course, our friends at WBCA and Blue Frame Technology. If you got questions for us, you can tweet us at d3hoopsville or hashtag hoopsville. You can email us, hoopsville at d3hoops.com. I'm sorry, d3sports.com. I keep doing that. Old habits that die hard. Uh, email us at Hoopsville at d3sports.com. You're going to join us on Facebook where we're simulcasting the show. Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Also simulcasting the show on YouTube. YouTube.com slash d3hoopsville. I know it's working because I just checked it out. So we're up and running. So join us there if you so choose. Um, there's a chat room on the YouTube page too. We'll try and keep an eye on it if at all possible. So lots of ways to stay in touch with us. We hope you'll take advantage of them as best you can. Lots to talk about and not talk about so far on the season as uh unfortunately that's just the way it is as it were uh we are dealing with a lot of delays and cancellations as we continue throughout the season uh, because of covid and the omicron virus it is what it is sadly um we will continue to push through that for the rest of the month um i just realized i didn't print up my results from the top 25 but we'll keep an eye on that I'll get to it another way. Um, but really, I mean, the challenge for a lot of, of teams is something that's out of their control, for lack of a better description. And I don't mean just the virus, but the reactions to it. I've seen a number of situations where teams have wanted to play games and administrations or medical staffs or whomever, maybe local officials for all I know, have said, uh, no, you will not be playing. So it is what it is. And everyone's adjusting. Everyone's trying to adjust and trying to figure out how to make things better. Um, we'll keep an eye on how it all plays out, certainly. Um, but it, to say it's challenging is an understatement, to be blunt. Uh, we'll talk more about that throughout the show. We'll also talk about it in our Top 25 segment coming up. Let's give you a guy, an idea of guests tonight. Coming up, we'll be talking in women's basketball to Wisconsin Lutheran's Clay Knuppels head coach of the women's program who ranked top 25 in the latest top 25 poll. We have not seen the latest women's poll. It's dragging its heels just a little bit like it did last week. Not a big deal, but we'll get to it. Um, and we'll see if they've moved up by the way, but they were 25th in last week's poll. We'll also talk to men's basketball coach, Trevor Lydic at Barry. They are not ranked, but receiving votes in the top 25. The latest poll did come out today on the men's side and Barry, now they're getting a few. They're getting a few votes, and then Clark men's basketball coach, interim coach Tyler. Oh, Barry's coach was interim. Sorry, Tyler Trevor Lydic's the interim. Clark's head coach Tyler Sims is not the interim. He's the head coach at Clark. His team was not getting top twenty-five votes until today. They've got two, which means either one voter put him twenty-fourth or two voters put him twenty-fifth. And then uh, Ryan Scott will join us for the top twenty-five. Maybe one other. We don't have Bob tonight, uh, unfortunately, uh, but. We'll, uh, we'll at least get uh, Ryan Scott on here to do our dubious deep dive and debatable teams in the top 25. And then when the women's poll updates, we will certainly bring you that as quickly as we possibly can. Also keep track of scores that are going on around Division Three men's and women's basketball. There are teams uh, that are playing tonight. Um, nobody who is ranked in the men's side and uh, nobody on the women's side who is ranked, though teams who have been ranked. We'll keep an eye on those. Uh, games that are being made up, for example, Carnegie Mellon is playing LaRoche today. 
that's a makeup game if if memory serves. Uh, there's a lot of uh, cancellations and postponements as well. There's also a handful of uh, of um, forfeit games as well. So we'll keep an eye on it all and try and keep you up to date. If you listen to the podcast, obviously those updates don't help you much, but we hope you'll enjoy it nonetheless. Um, so really when it comes to this virus, some of the things I've been picking up on in the last few days and few weeks is just how much people are kind of trying to figure things out. Uh, Omicron is, is clearly a virus that is going, is, is easier passed on. Uh, it is allowing those who are vaccinated to, to show symptoms when they don't always show symptoms in other variations, at least from what it seems, I'm certainly no expert on this. As a result, um, first off, as we talked to Jason Fine last week about from, from the athletics director at Bates, administrations are, are scrambling a little bit after thinking they kind of had things a little bit well in hand. And that's not a knock on them. It's just that they, they thought they had good plans in place, and Omicron has changed all of that. Um, it's just, uh, I, I don't know where the solutions are or or the remedies um the the easiest thing i can tell you is there are a number of teams who seem to be popping a number of positive tests right before they're to travel or the day they're 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 at games or or even hosting shouldn't just say it's travel it's hosting too and games are being postponed and canceled at the last minute i showed up at mcdaniel for what was a scheduled to be a 2 o'clock game, got pushed to 2.30 due to transportation issues. That, there's a whole joke between Muhlenberg and, and McDaniel with that. Um, only to arrive to be told initially, well, first off, that the game was being pushed to 2.45 if they were to play, but also that all of a sudden Muhlenberg men's basketball team had a number of symptomatic and positive cases. In the meantime, the McDaniel at Muhlenberg women's game had gotten called off with McDaniel's women's team 10 minutes from campus, from Muhlenberg. For some reason, they weren't playing a traditional doubleheader at the same campus. They were doing the landmark style where you split. Not really understanding the early centennial schedule, but that's a whole different topic for a whole different time. Anyway, my point being, there are administrations and medical staffs and others who are seeing a, a couple of cases, three, four, maybe five positives in one testing and are immediately pulling the brakes on games, even though a team may have enough to play. They may have enough coaches. They may have enough players, et cetera. Uh, Some conferences are mandating a minimum of seven. Some are mandating a minimum of eight players and at least one coach. But these administrations or medical staffs or whomever are saying, yes, we, we realize you have enough, but we just tested your whole team and four of them have tested positive, let's say, or five of them have tested positive. And while you've got 12 to play or 12 available, we're pulling the, the brakes on all of this because we're just not sure if there, there are other positives in this group that just aren't popping on the tests. And I got told by others that there's a concern of having this spread. You know, God forbid one team have it, play another, even though they have negative results. And it's just because the test didn't reveal that there was COVID there. And now those two teams go and travel a few days later to play or just travel, not travel. I keep doing travel. I don't mean that. But a few days later, play another team, especially within the conference. Now you've got four teams that have been impacted. And if positive cases start popping out of all of them, 
that four could become eight, et cetera, and now the whole conference has got an issue. Um, you also have situations where close contact, you know, some situations where a men's team is playing and a women's team is not, or vice versa, but there are other occasions where both aren't playing because the medical staff or the administration or whomever, again, whomever, is saying that both teams are close contact. And as a result of that, they're shutting both teams down for fear. Or at least in Muhlenberg's case, it, it apparently led to testing um, to see because of fears of close contact if others have it. And and listen, I also think, and I'm not I'm not faulting student athletes necess- you know in this case, but there are student athletes who are probably not telling their coaches and medical staff and whatever if they have some small symptoms like a tickle in the back of their throat or a slight fever or a cough or some sneezing. Because, heck, and I don't mean to make light of this. I, I'm just using it as an example. I didn't tell my athletic trainers and my coaching staff every time I had a rolled ankle when I played sports. Um, a lot of times I knew that if I told them that, it would, it would shut things down and that I wouldn't be playing anymore for an undetermined amount of time. Well, in this case, you certainly, and I can understand this, you don't want to be the reason that your team is not playing. Right or wrong, I'm I'm not gonna. I'm certainly not good enough to figure out if that's a right decision or a wrong decision. I'm sure it's happening, and then positive cases are coming in. And then the other fact here is, schools are deciding to test student athletes, even if they're vaccinated and boosted. Remember, NCAA changed the, the medical guidelines, and that's from the medical group to say that fully vaccinated are anybody who's had the Johnson & Johnson vaccine or booster in the, um, no, no more than two months ago. So if you got the booster for J&J and it was three months ago, you're no longer considered fully vaccinated. But if you got it a month ago, you're considered fully vaccinated. Whatever the latest shot you needed to have. If it's uh, Pfizer, it's five months. If it's Moderna, it's six months. I think I have that right. It could have Moderna and Pfizer backwards, but I'm pretty sure it's Pfizer five months, Moderna and six months. Uh, or if you've had COVID and you've been positive, then it's 90 days. And remember, there was a conversation last year between 90 days and 120 days. It's 90 days. And in those cases, you're considered fully vaxxed. You don't have to test. Now, a school, and by the way, if you're not meeting those fully vaccinated guidelines, then you have to test three times a week. A school, a local government, even a conference, I haven't heard any conferences, but it's possible, could mandate more strictly. And schools, I have been told, have been testing student-athletes when they've come back from the break. They have been testing student-athletes at least once a week. I've even heard twice a week. I don't remember where, but I did hear it. Don't quote me that it's definite, but the once a week is very popular. And usually ahead of a game. And who knows if that's increased in some places or not. So you now have a situation where even the vaccinated are being tested even if they don't seem to be showing signs of symptoms or they're just not admitting those symptoms, and those are turning into positive cases, that's turning into games canceled and postponed. And there's other situations like Brandeis, who has shut down everything. Um, They're not practicing right now at Brandeis, at least on the men's basketball side, from what I've been told. And they've already shut down, you know, two weekends of 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 uh, UAA play. They didn't play NYU this weekend. They will not play Carnegie Mellon or Case Western next weekend or this coming weekend, we should say. So 
administrations are also responding differently. I think some administrations are catching some by surprise because they've stepped up and become more aggressive than they had been in the past. And there's some others who are still uh, going at it as a status quo. And every institution has a different risk assessment, motivation, understanding of their campus, of their world, of their future. Some campuses are not going to take the risk of of an outbreak that could cause problems on the campus because that could cause financial problems and their future is 50-50, let's just say. I'm just using that as an example. There are others who feel that if they did that, their school would be lost forever. They would have to, they'd eventually, the, the, the domino effect would have them close anytime now. And so they're willing to take the risk to keep things moving in the right direction. And then there's others who are not willing to take the risk because they don't need to take the risk. They are financially stable for the foreseeable future. So they don't feel that they need to make any moves whatsoever to to push things. And you're seeing a mix of that and every other variation I can't think of right now. And that's resulting in all these cancellations and postponements. It's not ideal. We would love to be playing basketball. We would love to see a full slate. At least we're seeing games. A year ago, we barely were seeing games. We were marching ourselves steadily towards the inevitable, and that was no basketball at all for the season. And we weren't, or I should say for the championships, we weren't going to have a postseason. We had, at this point a year ago, I was on nonstop phone calls and emails and text messages with administrators and coaches determining of the 450 schools, and I'm, I'm estimating, and of those, all those men's and women's basketball programs, obviously multiply out by two for the most part, how many of them were going to be playing? And at this point, we already I already knew that the season wasn't going to happen at this point a year ago. Or the postseason wasn't going to happen. Teams were going to play. They were going to try and play at different times. And there was all kinds of, of other ideas out there. And there were un- unknowns, too. But at least we're, we have games that are playing this year. It's not easy. It's not fun. But we're getting there. And so I'm not trying to make light of it, but at least we have something and at least games have been played. It's unfortunately not the fall. The fall was great. It wasn't perfect. We still had some issues in the fall. Women's soccer, Loris women's soccer team made the semifinals and had three of their starters not play due to close contact. I I was told that they likely were going to test negative or they probably were going to test negative. I never followed up on it. Played a great semifinal into overtime and, and didn't get to the championship game. And maybe those three starters would have made a difference. But we also weren't losing huge chunks of games in the fall. And that's where it's different. And it's also an indoor sport. And that makes it different. I am not aware because I'm not paying attention if ice hockey is having as big a problem. But I know games are being postponed and canceled in ice hockey and indoor track. And we have indoor volleyball starting on the men's side here shortly. So you have a lot of what-ifs and risk assessment and decisions being made not by teams, not by coaches. And I get there's frustration out there, and I understand that, man, I wish we could play. We've got 10 able bodies. Those guys, yes, they tested positive, but we were testing uh, everybody, even if they were vaccinated, without symptoms, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I get all of that. But the reality is these administrations, well above these teams, and, and, and above athletic directors even, 
have chosen to make these decisions, and that's where we sit. So just understand that it's not ideal for anybody, but at least we're playing some games, and some of these games will be made up, and we will make adjustments. And when we're making selections and trying to mock out who's going to be in the NCAA tournament, it's going to be different. It's going to be strange. It's going to be a little convoluted, but we'll make those decisions and figure it out, and we'll have a season, and we'll hopefully have that postseason, and we'll have fun moving forward. That's the best I can tell you. Um, I know a lot of people get frustrated with all this. Uh, I walked away from Twitter on Saturday because I was I shouldn't have engaged in the first place um, because it wasn't I knew it wasn't going to get anywhere. But secondly, no one was gonna was willing to listen to just the general thoughts on things because they were frustrated their teams weren't playing. And I get it. I get it. Um, I'm sorry for all of you who, who don't like what I may tweet or say. Uh, I spend way too much time talking to individuals to, to come at something with an uninformed or educated perspective. And I still am learning. I'm still could be dead wrong, but too many times we're dealing with people who, or not people, I shouldn't say that. We're dealing with decisions that are being made by others that are not fully explained because they're not going to be. And we think we can solve it in social media, and we can't. Is X school within its bounds to do what it wants? Yes. Is my alma mater within its bounds to get rid of, uh, of spectators until further notice? Absolutely. It's their campus. And if it means that I can't work, to remains to be determined, or if it means fans can't be at games and we watch them online, or if it means games can't be played. Based on those campuses and those administrations, those are their decisions. It sucks. I get it. But please compare it to a year ago. And realize that we're in a far better place. It sucks that winter sports are taking a hit the second time. And I'm using that term real loosely hit. Because in the grand scheme of things, there were a lot of schools that weren't playing last year. And a lot of schools that never were going to see the court. Even for practice last year. A lot of schools. More than 50% of the division. we, We are in a better place, even if it still sucks. So let's... I hope everyone can keep that perspective. We'll do our best to keep reporting what we know. We'll keep our, our our scoreboards updated. We'll keep everything informed as we move forward. That went a little longer than I anticipated, but it is what it is. I hope you're enjoying the show. Let us know if you are. Again, you can tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. You can join us on our Facebook or live stream chats. Uh, if you feel like it, feel free to chat in there. Um. I know a lot of you are watching, and we really do appreciate that. Thanks for tuning in. Hope you might even be watching on the big screen, maybe. And if you're listening to the show on a podcast or you're listening to a show um, or watching the show on demand, thank you for doing so as well. We'll take a break. When we come back, we'll get going into our guests, and we'll head up to Wisconsin, talk to Wisconsin Lutheran women's basketball coach Clay Knuples about his squad and what they are doing so well. Ranked 
top 25. They were number 25 in the latest top 25 poll. Or, I'm sorry, last week's. The women's is just out. They are up to 23. So we'll talk about the 9-0 and squad when we come back. You're listening to Hoopsville presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBC from the NABC studios. Thanks to our partners at the WBCA, Blue Frame Technology, and all you out there who have been so friendly and kind to us. Back with more after this. basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum, it's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor's Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that College Basketball built. Why NCAA Division III teamed up with Special Olympics, and in giving the gift of sport to those for whom it seemed an impossible dream, we are working to make this a better world. Help us keep that dream alive. You can make a difference. I did receive a non-athletic scholarship upon entering uh, school. I got the presidential scholarship, which was huge for me. I think there's more opportunities for academic scholarships in Division III. I did receive academic scholarships. Just being involved on campus, being a leader, all those things combined kind of get me recognized. It's a great experience for me. We've got more schools than Division I, more fans than Division II, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division III basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. We've got more schools than Division I, more fans than Division II, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national... Tried to to start the show there. Apparently we didn't click our mic. Now we're good. (sighs) Technology. Still trying to get my son involved in the show. Still trying to make our commercial breaks a little bit longer. We just haven't figured out how to make this program that we use work with the other program that we need to use. If you got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsel or hashtag Hoopsel. You can email us, hoopsville at d3sports.com. It's all scrolling at the bottom of your screen. Appreciate you taking the time to join us. Time to talk about these uh, teams out there who are playing basketball and trying to keep playing basketball. New women's top 25 is out, and the team that we had number 25 is now up to number 23 in the latest top 25 poll. It is the Warriors with of Wisconsin Lutheran. They are 9-0 on the season, and they certainly aren't ones to, who have missed out or have avoided the problems. They lost three games so far, two of them out in California to the coronavirus uh, testing and all of that stuff. But they've also been playing pretty well. 
Um, what we didn't mention in the first block, and we'll mention at the end of this block, was we figured out how to get our segments in like we normally do split up at this time of the season. And so representing Region 9, because we don't have a sexy name for it, Clay Knupel joins us here on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline, uh, head coach of the women's Wisconsin Lutheran team. Sir, welcome to the show. Thanks for taking the time. Good to see you. Yeah, thanks, Dave. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Uh, great to be here. I, I really appreciate you taking the time and the effort. Um, I, I'm curious, first and foremost, you're 9-0. and Let's just start with the, with that side of things. 9-0, and having a great season. Uh, wins over Wash U in, included at 69-66 and win over Milliken and Chicago. Um, you, you're playing well. You're off to a 5-0 and start in conference. You've got to be thrilled with at least how things have started for you all. Yeah, it's it's been great. Uh, you know, I told the team early in the year we were going to be challenged. Um, I was thinking going into the beginning of the year, I didn't know exactly how things were going to work out. You know, from last year, COVID year, pretty much all year. And we hadn't really played really, really any tough, tough games for a while. Um, and then being able to play against Wash U and then doing a road trip down to Chicago and playing Chicago and Milliken, who were in the top 25 preseason. Um you know, Milliken's got some great players, so does Chicago and Wash U the same. And it just, you know, I, I told our team after those three straight wins, um, just great for our conference, uh, also great for our team and our program, obviously. Uh, but to beat those three programs in a row um, and then going on the road to Chicago is just an awesome trip for us. And, and coming back with two wins there. And then also coming back and playing in our conference, we basically went against uh, two of the top three teams in our league or four teams in our league at this point and had to play them right away. Um, and, and being successful right away in, in those games was, was huge for us. Uh, you know, it was awesome. It was great. And a great start for our program. Uh, our kids buy in. Uh, it's, it's been fun. By the way, I said region nine, I meant region eight. Don't worry, people. We're all still learning all of this. <laughs> uh, it's basically the old central region. Yeah. And that was the other thing that jumped out at me is not only are you five and zero in conference, but it's Concordia, Edgewood, Benedict, and Dominican uh, in those wins. Um, and it says five and zero. Oh, I don't. I don't see my fifth. But I'm, oh, there it is. Rockford. Yeah, we just of played Rockford. We just played Rockford. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But obviously, Benedict and Edgewood and some of these teams, as you mentioned, have been the top of the conference, battling with you guys uh, to to win the conference year in and year out. This is who you've had to face. So you've gotten them out of your way already. Granted, you'll play them a second time, but that's the thing: is you don't you don't have to still play them twice. Yes, you are correct. <laughs> That's a big difference. Uh, it, it was a huge difference in our league. We, we kind of dropped a couple games. We went down to 18 games in our league this year, uh, just trying to pick up more non-conference games, some better non-conference games, uh, some, some regional opponents where it would be a little bit where we could, you know, again, it just gives us better competition to a certain extent than playing some of the teams in our league. Not, not that all leagues don't have their challenges with, with teams that are at the bottom, but Again, with so many teams in our league, it just helped us get get some games where we could play some non-conference. And that was kind of California, too, going to Chapman and playing Whittier and Chapman. That was my goal was to go play some guys that, you know, are in NCAA tournaments, have played in NCAA tournaments. Whenever we travel or do something, I want to play top 25 teams, uh, teams that have been in the top 25. Uh, we, we've been to the tournament so often that we just we feel that that helps our players develop, get better. Um, it kind of was a bummer that we lost the two games in California, but I'm trying to pick up, you know, depending on how the COVID situation goes, we're trying, we have some really good opponents in region with the UW schools in our, in our region, you know, trying to go play, uh, you know, Whitewater 
or going trying to play, uh, you know, just trying to play somebody else that's in our, you know, or even even if not, just playing somebody that is in the top 25, uh, that we can get some good competition if we lose some more games. So we're trying to do that. But well, um, and 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 especially ones that you think are going to be regionally ranked because that's going to be really helpful for you guys. Because let's be honest, NACC isn't guaranteed at large bids all the time. It happens, but you're not guaranteed them. You might as well better position yourself on the off chance you might need to make that argument. Yeah. I, I mean, I, th- that happened two years ago. I mean, we're two years out because last year the NCAA didn't happen, but in our league, um, we beat the paw at the beginning of the year, a couple of years ago, and two of our teams got in the conference or in the, in the NCAA tournament. Uh, and I, I feel it was, we beat the paw. They didn't lose to anybody till they got to the you know final four, whatever it was, they, they are sweet 16 or whatever yeah. it was. They hadn't lost a game except to us. And that helped our league. And, and we really try to do that. Like next year, our opening tournament, we run an opening tournament. We'll have DePaul, Calvin, and then Bethany will win their league and their league. And uh, probably this year, and we'll have there in our tournament next year. Um, it's just a great opening weekend for us. And, and again, that was this year too. We just really try to get the best teams and, you know, top 25 teams in our, in our, you know, into our tournament at the beginning of the year. Yeah. Certainly noticeable. And, and makes a difference. And that's also why top 25 voters respond, maybe a little slower uh, than maybe a 9-0 and team in the past would have gotten. But again, it's also because we have question marks. I mean, it's it's complicated for everybody. We also, you know, who, who are you playing? Who, you know, there's changes. Chicago has a new coach. And yes, there's some changes. And WashU seems to still be trying to find themselves. I'm not even a women's voter, and I know what they're probably challenged with. But from your perspective, you're clearly making that that goal of we're going out there, we're challenging ourselves against good teams, win or lose. We're going to better our resume, better our conference as well. And it seems, and and correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems like some of the conference mates are also taking the same approach now. Yes, for sure. It's, it's great. Uh, you know, we just have to start, you know, winning, winning some of those games are there. We're very competitive in a lot of those games. We just got to start, start climbing that little hump and get over it. And, uh, you know, I, it is. It's great for our, our league. Finally, our top teams are, are going against better competition in their non-conference, and, and we have to do that to, to develop our conference and make our conference stronger. Um, it's great that our coaches are doing that in our league and, and starting to play tougher teams. You talked about the trip to California for Whittier and, and Chapman. And of course, we were at the D3Hoops.com Classic in Vegas after that, and Whittier, unfortunately, uh, the women's team couldn't make it. We lost all of our women's teams uh, from that event. Uh, and just a reminder for anybody who's just tuned in, we had 19 scheduled in men and women, and we ended up with nine. Uh, we, we we took our hits too. Not, not that I'm complaining. Not doing seven games in one day isn't the <laughs> worst thing in the world. But back to your your loss, you lose those two games, and you hinted at it a little bit with your answer a moment ago. Are you trying to make up those games in some capacity, try and find some non-conference games that you can play? Yeah, I think, well, listening to you before, the, the challenge is going to be administration, medical. It's, it's going to be that challenge because as we move farther in, we lost a game last week in conference. Yep. Those are more important. You know, it's our conference opponent. We're not going to cancel those to get non-conference games. So right. right now, that's probably the, you know, it's probably the biggest challenge is, is we can only play three games in a week. Our conference says they don't want us in medical, want us to not play four games in a week. So as we move forward, we already lost one conference game. I got to find spot for that. And I don't want to start scheduling. I got to work with non-conference opponents. Hey, you might get, we might get canceled if I have to reschedule more non-conference games. 
Um, and with the testing going on now, with the way they changed the, the policy in the NCAA for, for vaccinated, um, getting the booster, that's changed our whole, the guys that are testing more, um, it's just kind of changed our what we're doing. Uh, and we have more people testing every week. So uh, again, we're going to try to reschedule as much as we can. I'm going to try to get the uh, non-conference games if I can. I want to do it for our players. I mean, I just feel bad for the kids and um, it's, it's been one of the hardest things for our young people that are playing in the sport, um, you know, trying to talk to them when they, when, when they test positive, it, it's been probably one of the most difficult things to do for me as a coach, because we love our players um, and, you know, they're young women and they want to be successful. They feel like they're failing to a certain extent, their team. Um, so yes, I want to reschedule games. I want to get those games, um, I'd want to play if I was younger. So, <laughs> so I'm, I'm trying to get them as, you know, I'll try to get them, get them the games. I don't want to put you on the spot necessarily. I don't know Wisconsin Lutheran's situation in terms of what the college expects of its students. Certainly don't want to dive into those minutia, but I am curious. Yes. The NCA kind of made adjustments to what fully vaccinated mean. Has, has the university made adjustments that you, that you're also having, I should say college also making adjustments to, that on top of that, is it has it become a moving um, bar, as it were, for an administrative point of view as well? Yeah, for sure. I mean, it, it definitely is. It, it's been tough the last five days here. It's been really kind of tough. I mean, again, our, our administration has been great. They're awesome at WLC. They've been very good with, you know, following the NCAA guidelines. We, we follow the guidelines. And now, you know, the problem that we had is getting our trip canceled to California. We had a bunch of guys that tested positive. Um, the vaccinated guys, we were, you know, we were as an administration, unless you had symptoms, we weren't testing our vaccinated guys because they were fully vaccinated. The NCAA said you didn't have to test those guys. So we were on the, you know, we probably had some guys that were positive over break. We had a, about a three-week layoff here from the last time we played, I would have probably had those guys test, see if they had it over break. It was probably a mistake on my part by not having them test um, to kind of, cause the guys have 90 days if they tested positive. And with that little break in there, I'm sure I would have had a couple guys that now they're going to have to test. We're really concerned. Um, you know, we tested today. We're concerned tomorrow. Our results come back before we play. And, and I got some guys on my team that are, you know, again, if they were positive over break, the chances that they might pop is, is <laughs> it could happen. Um, we have two out right now that are top six players. It's going to affect me play Norbert's tomorrow. And, uh, you know, they haven't lost in our league. Um, we're missing one of our best rebounds and rebounders and players and our, one of our best shooters. And that, that affects us. We're still, yeah. you know, again, trying to move forward. I don't want to make excuses. We tell our players we're not going to make excuses, but sure. in the end, it is is tough. You don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. Um, our plan is to go. Our administration will say, "Hey, we're we're going to play, and we want to play." So um, we keep pushing for that. Well, and, and in my effort to transition a little bit to talk about the team, you have a large team. You've got you've played <laughs> twenty one at least. Uh, granted, about five six of those have played just one game. Uh, you've got a huge roster, obviously a little bit of a, a layover maybe from the from the COVID year last year. Um, but even if you, it sounds like even if you have all those numbers available, you get too many positives, your administration is shutting you down. And so it might be nice to have that huge roster, but you're not necessarily <laughs> able to play. 
Um, it could be possible. I mean, I, I think the California trip was different. Sure. Um, and you know, I, I think going to California, that was just a tough, tough call for them. I think if we have, you know, two or three that test positive overall or admit, like I said, our administration, they're trying to follow, right. uh, you know, follow what we're supposed to do, but they're also, they also know how important it is for our players yep. to play games and, and the other guys to play games. And, um, so they're going to do their best. You know, I, I, they've done great for us and, and are not going over the top. I want to say with, with our players and with, with what we're doing, um, our return to play policies are great. Um, our, our medical staff is awesome trying to get guys back if they've had COVID issues. So, um, our administration is going to try to get us to play, uh, and, you know, I don't know what'll happen tomorrow. I can tell you that, Dave, <laughs> right, I, I, know. I really, you know, I mean, we know, I, none of us do. <laughs> None of us do. <laughs> tell me, tell me. I, I couldn't tell you. I mean, it's a case by case. You know, right. I, I don't know. I don't know. You know, yeah. it's, it's it's very interesting to to try to figure it well, out. And, yeah, I mean, and I'm I'm maybe naive, but I'm I'm hoping by the end of January that we're finally kind of on the other side of this hump and, and moving in a better spot. But I don't know. Yeah, um, <laughs> you would be bold. Yeah, exactly. Tell me a little <laughs> bit about this squad because you have Jenna Mace leading the way as a senior, uh, 14 points a game. Uh, shooting 40, 41% from the floor, pulling down about four rebounds, two assists a game, a steal a game. You also have a sophomore in Sam uh, Lysiman, uh, Caitlin Shadowski, a sophomore, uh, 9.2 points a game. Sam was 10.4 points a game. You don't have a ton of, of overall heavy scores, but you've got a lot of players who score. Uh, Ali Go, uh, a senior at six points a game as well. You also have a sophomore, Nicole. Uh, is it Young Blowed? Young blood, yep. Young, Young blood. blood yep. Oh, okay, Young very blood. cool. Yeah. <laughs> uh, a center at four and a half. You seem to have a lot of different options, though. Obviously, it goes through Mace primarily. Tell me a little bit about her, and then the rest of the squad. Well, I, um, Sam's probably not playing. That's one of our main. I mean, she's a huge rebounder and player. She's not playing tomorrow, but because um, of COVID, COVID stuff, she has no symptoms. But it's just been mm. what it is. She, yeah, <laughs> she, I know what you mean. She's been totally fine. She's been working out the last few days all by herself. You know, it's just one of those things. But anyway, uh, yeah, I mean, our our scoring, it, it's and then that's going to be kind of the thing. I don't know if we'll have the player of the year in our league when we don't really care about that. Jenna should be. I mean, she is phenomenal player and uh, uh, just just a really good player that we've had for the last four years. I'm, I'm, I would love to have her back for a fifth <laughs> get, since she could have the fifth year. Um, but she can score. Shadowski scores. Sam scores for us. Um, and again, if you look back at our games, one of those guys has stepped up in each and every game and, and played and, and gotten victories for us. Um, you know, you play the Wash U game. I don't know who led in scoring, but one of them probably was around, you know, 18 to 20. And then you go to the Milliken game and, and Caitlin Shadowski has 20 and, and then Jenna has 10 or, you know, those guys switch. Sam will have a big game and, and that's kind of nice for us. I mean, we can run our offense, but it doesn't mean that I got to run it through. I mean, we run it through those three guys pretty much. Um, but then we have some really good shooters. I mean, you talked about Allie. Um, she can shoot the ball really well. Uh, and we, we got some freshmen that came in that can shoot it a little bit. And then our post players, they just buy in. Our post players buy in to, to what we're doing. Um, Abby Vavra, she she's a senior. Um, last night or on Saturday, she had three charges in the game uh, for our center. Three charges. Uh, we took six charges in the game That's on Saturday. Impressive. Yeah, we we take pride in that. It's 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 all yeah, but she plays. 
Uh, she's not a big scorer, but defensively, she she takes charges. She's in the right spot. She does what we ask. Um, but again, it's a it's a team effort, as you know. Uh, but Jenna Mace is a really good player. Is tough to guard uh, and is really fast. She hasn't shot the ball from three particularly well for us this year. Yeah, I noticed struggling a little. Yeah, I think that overall in the game for for D three, that's it's been a struggle for a lot of a lot of women. Uh, especially coming out of high school, the line changed. The line going out a little bit farther this year has changed a lot of, a lot of the the thought process. I think, sure. especially on our team, um, we're getting better. We work on it every day, and we just get in games and we haven't been able to hit the three like like we thought we were gonna. Um, but again, we'll make adjustments. Uh, they can score and they can hit the three. Hopefully, you know, as we go into the season here and get toward the end, it'll start coming around for a little bit. We're getting in the gym every day, so you're not an overly large team. You don't have anybody listed at six foot. You have a, a handful of five ten and five eleven, and so you say post play, but you've had to go up against some teams I know have got some size inside, in terms of height. Do you have to adjust your game, or is your game already adjusted? Um, I don't want to give away what we do. Oh, <laughs> certainly, no, 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 I'm not looking for that necessarily. <laughs> Um, we really, we really teach, uh, we, we will double the ball sometimes, but the way we teach it and how we do it, um, is very effective for our players. They, they, and now we'll see how we do uh, tomorrow. Norbert's has some good size. Um, we like to double, but we, we have certain philosophies with that. Uh, so, um, our posts, we talked to our posts, you know, hopefully a lot of referees aren't listening, but we talked to our posts about <laughs> We talked to our posts about meeting the other post at the 50 yard line. Like you'd be in a football, you know, that's sure, free sure. line. you meet them at the 50 and they aren't going to go where they want to go. Um, and they got to keep them off their spot. Um, so, you know, we don't have a lot of size. So that is a chance. That's been a challenge. We look at our games and um, we have to do certain things. Obviously we're trying to recruit some size. Um, we'd love to have size. I think everybody would. Sure. That's a huge challenge in D3 basketball, I think right now. Um, but we do like the 510, 5'11 players uh, that are athletic. Uh, Shadaski is one of those, Sam Weissman. They, they, they're athletic. Um, they're, they're hard to defend. Um, and then they're also physical. They, they are strong. Uh, so, you know, we, we change what we do against teams. We have really, my assistant coaches are great. Uh, Julie Langbartels is one of my assistant coaches who, if you, you know, her father was, he's a hall of fame coach in Wisconsin. Uh, uh, Christensen. So her dad, uh, Hall of Fame coach, she's a great coach that helps me, does a great job on scouting. Uh, so we have really good game plans when we go into games. Um, I'm curious to switch gears a little bit. You talk about a little bit about the recruiting side. I don't know if we've actually dove into it, but give me a sense of Wisconsin Lutheran as an institution. I mean, I feel, and, and correct me, I feel like it's like a hope or a Calvin in the terms, or even a Shiva to be fair in the terms that it's got a, a religious component to it that is going to attract a particular student that said, I realize you sometimes probably have to look a little outside of that envelope or that, that, that target window to find (laughs) student athletes to be on the team. So do you have to, go further away from, or not away, but further outside that, 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 that avenue and attract and convince a student to come to the campus, despite it maybe not being 
what they're looking for. And I don't, that's not the right way of saying it, but I think you understand where I'm getting. I'm kind of curious how you recruit to, to WLC when that, what I believe is a component there that certainly is a pro and a con. Yes, you're right. I mean, it, it is, but in the end it isn't. I, I, I look okay. at it as I'm, I'm, Probably the toughest challenge is we haven't been around for very long. That, that's sure. probably the biggest challenge in my recruiting of, you know, Name basically alum, alumni, Christian, young women. I, I'm not where Calvin and Hope are, where I could probably have. Generations. I'm hope, I'm hope, yeah, I don't know if I'll coach that long. <laughs> I hear I'm that. 70, if I'm 70 and I'm coaching my granddaughter, that'll, that, you know, she's going to be a tough-nosed player. But, you know, I, again, I think that's like my assistant – that's where I would say that we'll, we'll probably in the next five, five years to 10 years, I think comparing us to that type of okay. recruiting, recruiting where I can get some alumni kids that are now they're coming out of high school. I think that's going to change, change for us. Um, but I will say for us recruiting and, and going and recruiting kids, our biggest thing is we recruit family. Um, I'll recruit, uh, parents and players, uh, and, and to us, we, we do after game meals after every single home game with parents and players and everybody. And, and that's been a huge thing for our program, uh, made our program very successful. And then the Christian part of the school, I do not back down from that at all. Um, it is Wisconsin sure. Lutheran college. I love this place. That's probably why I've been here as the head coach for 18 years and a vol- volunteer. We weren't system. counting. For 12 years, I've been here for a long time, but probably the biggest reason I do it, I I, I think it's a the, the Christian part of the school. The atmosphere um, is great for young women, uh, and we really whether it's public school, private school. I mean, I'm we're we're out. I have a contingent. My my family, my brothers, and my my dad, they're out helping recruit recruit kids. We're out watching <laughs> at. Public school, private nice. does not matter where they are. Um, nice. The biggest thing is it's got to be a great fit for them. And, and the right. Christian part of it is is a big part. And, and I won't shy away from that. I think, you know, in the end, the kids that come here, our locker rooms have been great. The the way we approach stuff, even with the COVID stuff, uh, coming from that Christian atmosphere and, and perspective with our kids, um, they accept it and, and they, they love that part of it. Uh, and, and that's been a great part in our recruiting. Um, my dad will say that I always recruit kids that are, are kind of quiet kids and, and, uh, really nice, nice young women. And that's what I have on my team now. Um, they listen, uh, they, they work hard. Our biggest thing is you come here, you work hard in the, on the academics, you work hard in the gym. And those are my only two things I ask of them. Yeah. And when they come, that's, that's what they're doing. Uh, and we've been successful the last, well, for however long I've been here, it's, it's, it's been a great, great ride with the kids that we have in here and they buy into our system. Um, and again, the Christian part of the school is, is the reason I'm here and the, and the biggest part of our program. Sure. So. Yeah, no, just curiosity. Every school's got its own unique, unique hook or unique, yep. Plus, and it can be a negative. Not everybody's attracted to whatever that is at every institution. So I was kind of curious yep. about it. Yep. And we don't, we don't, and again, if somebody doesn't come because of, that's fine. We're, we're, I'm not, I don't judge anybody. No, of course it's, not. It's no. great. So it's, it's whatever it's, fits. Yeah. Yep. Yep. It's the best fit for their, their daughters. And, and that's, that's what we're looking for. So. I got to let you go. Unfortunately, I could, I'd love to chat with you more, but I am <laughs> just curious. How do you see this? How do you see yourselves 
in the NACC as it goes on, assuming with no with no interruptions, you get well, to play out from this out point on. <laughs> we won nine out of eleven years, so ten out of twelve right now. I mean, we would love it. We take every game one at a time, and sure. Again, I think in our league, no matter how good or bad the teams are, some of the teams aren't as good. They give us their best shot every time. They throw stuff at us because they 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 want to beat us. Uh, we've led our league. Um, I'm hoping we don't miss games. Um, our conference is really trying to make it where um, we're still going to have a conference champion. You know, depending on how yeah. many games you lose, still have a conference champion, um, still have our tournament. Maybe we'll add some more teams in at the end of the year if this thing kind of goes away. Um, but again, we look at one game at a time. Uh, we feel like we can win our league. Obviously, we've played two out of the three out of the top four teams in our league already. Norbert. Norbert's tomorrow will be a challenge just because we're missing some guys, uh, but we'll sure. get a shot at him later too. So tomorrow, hopefully, we'll we'll come out as a team. Uh, but I think we'll be really successful. Um, our goal isn't just to win our league. <laughs> I'll say that we we have a lot more goals to go for, and and we're trying to push for that. So uh, we'll get better every single day. Certainly, can appreciate that. Well, I appreciate the time as well. Uh, thanks for uh, being so. Uh, I mean, upfront with us. Not upfront. That's a horrible way of saying it. But you know, kind of <laughs> give us an insight of what you're dealing with. It's it's fascinating, at least from my perspective, and I hope from the viewers' perspective as well. As always, we give the guests the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those? Maybe tuned in. I just want to thank you, Dave, and and appreciate everything you do for D3 Hoops. And and hey, I'm I'm throwing this out to you. I'm inviting you to our opening tournament next year. We're gonna have Calvin in it. We'll have DePaul in it. That's Bethany, a pretty good mix. And, and us. I gotta get you guys to come to one of our Paul F. Knipple classics at the beginning of the year. We, All right. We we feed the guys. Uh, we'll, we'll feed you guys good after every single game. We have home cooked meals for the team. So. Uh, come on over. <laughs> I appreciate the invite. Trust me. If I can start making that happen, um, I, I may have to be somewhere else, but, and that's a good thing for me career wise, but if not, I, I will certainly, I will put it on the calendar. All right. Thanks again for all you do. Appreciate it. Dave. Well, thank you, coach. Take care of yourself. Stay safe. And uh, we'll look forward to talking to you down the road. All right. Thanks, Dave. Uh, coach Clay joining us from, uh, Wisconsin Lutheran. Again, they got St. Norbert coming up, uh, on, uh, well, tomorrow, the 11th. And then Dominican coming up on Saturday. Going to take a break, run a little bit behind? Of course we are. We'll switch gears, talk Barry men's basketball. They've got an interim head coach, getting top 25 love. Should we be giving them a little bit more attention as they leave the, lead the SAA conference? Granted, just one game, but st- uh, a few games, but still. Should we? We'll talk to them coming up. You're listening to Hoops Hope, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC studios. More after this. My name is Marcus Walker. I was All-State, won a state championship, a high school All-American, and played college and pro ball. I played because I love the game. I grind to be the best. I sweat because I put in work. I'm strong because I believe. When I want to bring it before game time, I come to the house that college basketball built, the CBE. No matter your skill, take it to another level. Elevate your game right here at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. It's on us to stop sexual assault. In any way that we can. To get a friend home safe. To never blame the victim. It's on us. To stand up. To make our community safe for all. It's on us. It's on us to look out for each other at parties. It's on us. To be more than just a bystander. To step up and say something. It's on us, all of us. To to stop stop sexual sexual assault. assault. Learn how and take the pledge at itsonus.org.
Football has taught me a lot throughout my life. It's definitely had a huge imprint on who I am as a person. Competing at a Division III level created that opportunity for me to go to college. Not only was I the first one in my family to graduate college, but I was really the first one to even go. Being the first one, I'm breaking that cycle, and, and now that I've graduated, I'm not sure what's the next step, but I know I have a lot of doors open. And a lot of those are open because I played football and ran track here at Otterbein. There are over 480,000 college athletes. Only 2% would go pro. That means over 470,000 will not get a shoe contract. No autographs. No private jets. No fan clubs. No Hall of Fame inductions. Instead, they will walk away with something much more valuable. College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum, it's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor's Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that College Basketball built. Great moments are born from great opportunity. That's what you have here tonight. Hi! Apparently I can't click off of the commercial and get my microphone to work. You are listening to Hoopsville. We are on the air, and despite what looked like a really weird lip sync, I'm here. What I was trying to say is we're switching gears, talking men's basketball now. If you want to have questions for our guests or even... Uh, to ask questions of us for later in the show, whatever, tweet us at D3Hoopsle or hashtag Hoopsle. Email us, Hoopsle at D3Sports.com. Or join us on Facebook where we're simulcasting the show at Facebook.com slash Hoopsle or YouTube, YouTube.com slash Hoopsle. Got it out of the way. What I was trying to say that I was talking about so enthusiastically that you could not hear is that this next team I believe I've been voting for every single week of the top 25 poll. Now, I may have just botched it. I may have just given you all another Hoopsle jinx. And many of you create Hoopsville jinxes in the 19 years we've been on the air. I welcome it. It means you're listening. But I realize I may have just jinxed it for Barry. Barry men's basketball is pretty darn good. In the SAA, right now leading the conference-ish. But they're with an interim coach. Did you know the, they lost their head coach in August? He went and took the Samford coach, coaching gig, the associate gig, gig and that's S-A-M-F-O-R-D, not the Stanford job or the Sanford job. It's the Sam job. 
Well, that just gives us a chance to talk to who is now the head coach, and it's Trevor Lydick joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline. Coach, thanks for bearing with us as we worked our way through that tech glitch. Uh, 11-2 overall, not shabby. I know you had a tremendous COVID year on top of that when you were mm-hmm. assistant associate head coach. 2-1 uh, and one in the SAA. We'll dive into those, what those numbers really mean in a minute. But first and foremost, I want to start with the fact that you officially took this program over in August. I'm curious, how much warning did you get? Not much. It was a, a whirlwind of about uh, two and a half weeks. They had to do something quickly uh, when Coach Cole took the Sanford job, which was awesome, uh, well-deserved. He's from Birmingham. Uh, Bucky McMillan played for him yeah. at Birmingham Southern. Uh, the, just a perfect opportunity for Coach to have to go back home and uh, work with Bucky, and obviously they're doing pretty well uh, this year as well. But, yeah, it was, it was a whirlwind experience. Uh, it was something that I've always wanted to do, be a head coach. Uh, this is my 20th year in college basketball, and there's no doubt I felt that I was ready for it. And uh, thankful that Barry administration and our athletic director, Dr. Angel Mason, believed in me as well to give me this chance. So I was fired up when I think the team was as well. Well, and again, I don't want to say you're lucky in this scenario, but you certainly have a great opportunity to take over a program that came in with a really good foundation slash um, returning group. Again, 13-1 and one last year in the COVID year and 11-1 and one in, the, in the SAA. But it's coming off back-to-back 19-win seasons mm-hmm. previous to that. I don't remember when exactly you came in the door, so I apologize there. But you, at least for them, it's an easy decision because you're part of that program that got to where you are now. And so it's obviously hand over the keys, no big deal. Obviously, coming in August, too, it's really hard to do a coaching search. Exactly. Uh, Let's just be honest. Timing worked out perfect. But you had to feel confident knowing all of those things were in play. You had the the bedrock. You had the foundation. You had the the two-by-fours were in place. The roof was on. You guys were ready to go this season, really, no matter who was coaching. And I'm not trying to belittle that. I just mean good, good, good place. Yeah, definitely. Well, we Coach Cole and I both got here in 2018. That's right. We we had the chance to to build the program. So I've been here from from day one, and obviously, like you mentioned, we had two years where we were 119, and then we were able to put it together uh, last year and have a decent year during the COVID year. And we did lose some very talented players, but having our our point guard come back and our big guy come back, those are the two starters that we got coming back. Uh, that that always helps. Those are probably two cornerstone pieces for most programs, and both those guys are outstanding players. So. Yeah, there's no doubt that that it, for my first head coaching job, I'm very blessed to not try to be building a program. Sure. Uh- but but having some pieces there, uh, but we've kind of did we do a lot of the similar things that we've been doing, but we've added, added some wrinkles too, just so we can have some fresh stuff that we that we can try out and things that seem going pretty well so far. And uh, you know, luckily uh, we've we stayed healthy for the most part, to have some few knickknacks and some COVID stuff. But other than that, it's been pretty smooth sailing. But but uh, you never know how those things can change real quickly. The cupboard wasn't bare, as it were. Obviously, it was in good shape. Let's talk about the season a little bit, then we'll dive into the team. Uh, Eleven and two, as we mentioned, two and one in conference play. Your your two losses are to Oglethorpe back at the beginning of December. They're eight and five, two and one. Not having the season, I think Philip Ponder was expecting, but they're still not. It's not too shabby. No, uh, then good. you went to Nashville, and apparently it was a CCIW Invitational. Yes, because you took on both Wheaton and Carthage. Of course, 
you played Wheaton to a six-point game, and I think maybe that's being missed. Uh, that's a pretty good Wheaton team. Top, what, top five, top ten program. And Carthage is certainly tough. They're seven and six on the year, and Jerkovic is, is, a, is a pretty good coach. And that's it. You have just a loss to Carthage. Granted, coming on the tail end of that Wheaton game. Yeah. That's my perspective on the season. But give me your perspective on the season. We'll talk about the SAA in a moment. Yeah, no, I was, I'm very pleased with where we're at. And then for us to go and, and, and I wanted to get some experience playing against some good top-notch teams and obviously playing Wheaton and Carthage, that was kind of on the schedule that we had circled and obviously beating a top 10 team for Barry is huge. I'm not sure that's ever been done since we've been in the D3 era since 2000, I guess at eight or 10 or something like that. So being able to pull that off and then we played good enough to win against Carthage, but they were just a little bit better for us. But I, I, I kind of expected just to kind of be right around here uh, record wise um, you know we, we were able to we, we do have a lot of young guys that we're playing that don't have much experience but to get some good games under our belts and then play some good competition that's only helped us uh, you know so far in, in the early part of our conference schedule so but I'm very pleased with where we're at I think that uh, we've learned a lot we've grown a lot uh, especially on the defensive end we've really turned the corner on there so I'm proud of where we're at. Interesting enough um Mike Shower, of course, the head coach for Wheaton, Illinois. We're talking, not Massachusetts. Uh, that's a good thing. I mean, he's the committee chair, so that's not that's not a bad thing. Though it, I mean, unless he's vengeful. <laughs> no, I don't think that'll happen. Mike's I know Mike guy. a little bit, and I know Mike's a great guy. And uh, as much as he was uh, not happy to to take that L that night, he was. I know in spirit, he was happy that if he was going to lose to someone, I think it would be he was happy for this kind of situation. Or up and coming coach, new coach was able to play well enough sure. to win. What's what I find interesting is is I thought you'd get a bigger bump. Um, you know, looking at just today's top 25, we're not going to, we could go into others, certainly. Uh, you guys are receiving votes, but it's at the total of eight. Uh, my top 25, granted, I'm not doing you too many favors. I got you at 22, which is one, two, three. That's four of the eight points. Right. Um, so I'm half your points. And I'm not trying to sit here and say that I that I know for sure that you're a top 25 program, but it feels like with a win over Wheaton at 11 and two with your only loss, other loss, uh, your losses are, yeah, interesting, but not horrible in, in, in this day and age. Do you think you got, what, I'm, I'm going roundabout here. What are top 25 voters missing and maybe including myself? Yeah, well, I think probably what everybody's missing is our, our schedule at the beginning was probably not what a top 25 uh, team schedule Fair. looked like. Um, so I, I probably think if people look at our schedule, it'll be like, okay, you get, struggled a little bit against some uh, teams that, that we probably could have played a little bit better against. But, you know, it was early in the season, new coach, they're trying to fill me out as players, things like that. But I think after the Wheaton game where we went toe-to-toe with those guys for a full 40 minutes and we were able to pull that out, I think that can give us some confidence. And we scrimmaged Emory in an in a, uh, exhibition early in the year. We were able to hold our own. They're a great outstanding program down there as well. So, um we, I don't, as most coaches, probably, I'm not really worried about where we are ranked right now. It'd be nice for our program to, to get some national recognition. But I, as long as we just keep, you know, every day, we talk about just the next game, 
That's all we, we care about. Everything else will take care of itself after the next game. Sure. Uh, so we're not trying to look too much forward uh, to where we're at. I think we're pretty confident right now uh, with how we're playing. We're, we're improving in a lot of different areas, especially we've kind of got back on track shooting the basketball uh, with several guys. So I think that's just going to make us much more harder to beat. But, you know, on any given night anywhere, you know, especially in a COVID year right now where, you know, who knows who's going to play from day to day. Um, you just the next guy's got to be ready. So uh, I, I'm not disappointed. I'm happy to be receiving votes. I think that that's kind of, we were able, you know, probably four or five years ago, Barry was not even close to receiving votes and things like that. So to be where we are right now, I think that we're in a pretty good position. Talking to uh, Barry interim head coach, Trevor Lydic here on the blue frame technology hoops. hotline talk SAA play. Now uh, you guys are two and one again, one of those losses to Oglethorpe uh, you've got, that was the one game you played on the other side of the break. Uh, then you've, got uh, Rhodes and Hendricks this, this past weekend, both of them on the road. You've got Center and Swanee coming up, and obviously Center is a tough squad, but you also have Birmingham and Southern and, and Millsaps before you basically take the turn in the conference standings or in the conference race. You're in a you're in a five-way tie, uh, yeah. just for the record. Five-way tie. Uh, it's Barry, Hendricks, Center, Oglethorpe, Swanee in alphabetical order. <laughs> uh, all but Swanee have a winning record right now. How do you, how do you see SAA play playing out this year? Well, it's very interesting because there's so many different styles in the SAA. Yeah. You know, Millsaps plays a really up and down type type game. Uh, Swanee is pretty much all the Princeton stuff. Uh, obviously, <laughs> Greg Mason is is a great coach at center. Um, and then you know Thad over at Hendricks, who I think is a very very talented team, had has probably played a probably the toughest schedule in the SAA and outside of non conference. And I think that they've got the Player of the Year, in my opinion. Uh, so I mean, it's just you know, you got to come ready to play, just like every league. You know, if you take you think you're just going to walk in and roll over somebody, you're you're dead definitely mistaken so i think top to bottom it's pretty close i'd probably say uh there's a little bit revealing swanee didn't play last year but obviously right. they were two one in conference so that you know trying to get back on track so they got to be feeling pretty good about themselves and you know Millsaps and Rhodes, we just played Rhodes, and i think they're very talented as well they just you know we were able to play really extremely well friday night and uh, we're able to get them uh so yeah i think that this is going to be a, a tough conference i think probably a team with three losses four losses probably will win the conference um you know so so the good thing is we we, we got away from uh if someone does get COVID, it's not an automatic forfeit now it's just a no contest so i think Think that will kind of even things out, uh, especially with every team making the tournament can, this year. Can you make those games up and still count for conference play? I realize this is being said with insane travel. Yeah. Um, or is that just not going to be on the table? Yeah, I think right now, as far as what I heard uh, from our staff meeting last week, is if you, you if you want to play, you can and make it up, but it's not going to count towards okay. your conference record. Uh, that was then the, how are now, they adjusting the, the conference postseason? As far as I know, we're still everybody goes. So it's what well, top right. Top but eight. how do you seed it? So top top four, whoever has the best records, uh, will host the first rounds. Uh, then they'll go to the highest remaining seed and things like that. So but my concern, and maybe we're getting in the weeds yeah. too much, is yeah, I, that's a good question. You start You're probably losing games, percentage points, and things like that. Uh, I know last year that's what we did. Uh, we started looking at who would you know if you were six and four, you, you, you could pass somebody that was five and four or something like or okay. vice versa something like that. So it so, might just come down to percentage. Yeah. So that's probably the, the fairest way to, to, well, it's probably not fair, but that's not probably the only way yeah. for surely there's going to be teams that are, nobody's going to play the same amount of games. I have a feeling. Oh uh, yeah. Just, All right, we'll see so far. So good. Yeah. Um, your squad's interesting because coming out of a COVID year, I, I don't know what to make of it. 
we're getting used to deep rosters. We're getting used to in some places like the NESCAC, I'm I'm I know they're losing upperclassmen because they just can't stay and go to a school like that or the UAA and, and pay that kind of money. But other institutions, they can they can afford a fifth or even a sixth year. You only have three quote unquote seniors, and, and one of them is a graduate student. Yep. This is for all intents and purposes, because you only have two other juniors. Yep. And this is where maybe I'm even missing it because I I felt confident about you guys knowing this going in. You're you're somewhat young. Oh yeah, we're definitely young. There's no so question. Why why am I being too confident voting for your top twenty five? I'll be I'm bluntly asking you that because you have a young team that somehow I figured out early on that I liked. I knew what you had coming back. Mm-hmm. Tell me what it is about this team that that is working so well for such a young group. Well, I think it's all about confidence. And I think, you know, ever since we were able to regroup from the Oglethorpe loss, which was a really disappointing loss for us, and we really got after it the next week in the film room and on the court, especially defensively. Uh, I kind of pride ourselves in the defensive aspect, and we just did not play good defensively in that game. And, and then finally going down to Florida, we were able to hold teams to in the 40s and 50s. Then we came back, played a tough game uh, against Wheaton. I think they scored 72 points or something like that. And then uh, – you know, Carthage, they were at 60 and we were at 58. And then this past weekend, we were really holding teams down. So I think the, just our young guys trying to figure out like who can play when and who can do what and let them get confidence. Uh, but I really feel good that after our, we have a pretty good top four or five guys. But after that, any guy from five to six or six to 12, 13, I think any of them can step up and give us major points. And that was really shown this past week in the Hendricks where we had a guy uh, come off the bench and get 16 points. So it's really just one of those things where I, I'm blessed to have a lot of young guys that have confidence and are continuing to get confidence. And if I throw them in there, I feel really good about where we're at. You have four guys in double figures, and I think that's where I kind of lean. I see the depth, and even after the four guys in double figures, you've got another three with, or really four at five points or more a game. Austin Brooks leading the way, 12.5 points a game, 8.5 rebounds a game on top of that. Um, you also have uh, Chase Ellis at 11 points a game, 4.5 rebounds, one of your top assist guys, uh, Owen Honroth, uh at 10 and a half points a game, 10 points a game. He's at 9.9, but we round up Michael Johnson. Um, also big rebounding guys for you. Johnson, of course, your top assist guy on mm-hmm. the team. And that doesn't mention the guys like Riley Costas and Blake Campbell and Robbie uh, Rossiano and others. You seem to have depth despite that young group. Now, some yeah. would say you, you have depth because you're playing players because you've got the, that young group. What say you? Yeah, no, I, I, I want to play a lot of guys. I, I want, I, you know, it, we may not show that we play an up-tempo style by only averaging about 77 points a game, but I, most of our stuff that we're getting is in transition. Mm. Uh, I really want to fly it up the floor, shoot threes, and then pound it inside with Austin. And then we got another 6'10 kid uh, who's been a little bit banged up, but he's starting to come on a little bit for us. So, um, yeah, so, no, I, I think the, the, more, the more we keep progressing in practice and the more we keep playing well in games, that's just 
just giving these young guys more confidence. And I think all these guys, if they get a chance, they, they want the chance. They want to show me that they can do something out there. And so they're just chomping at the bit for me to give them that opportunity to get in there and show what they got. So I love those guys that come in uh, with that kind of confidence instead of kind of going, oh, you know, we got these four or five guys that are way ahead of me. I'm, not, I'm just going to take a back seat. Uh, these guys want to compete against those guys every single day in practice. And then, of course, when we get on the court for games. Well, you talk about the 76 points a game that you're scoring may not seem like high, but let's go back to the point that defensively you're only allowing 64 points a game. That's pretty impressive. That's a 12-point plus for you. But more importantly, it's 64 points a game. Uh, shooting percentage, I'm, I'm sure you'd love to see better. You're allowing about 40% from the floor and 31% from deep, but it's still the points. So is this team through the defense and get those baskets in transition, or does it need to be a little bit more offensive? Yeah, I mean, we started out really good offensively. We were averaging over 80, and we were shooting about 50%. So that's kind of tailed on. I think that's kind of when you start getting into conference play, you're a little bit more well-known uh, with what you're trying to do. You're a little bit better scouted, a little bit more time to prepare and things like that. But one thing we can all – like, for me personally, defense, like, that's just, you know, I can teach you a few things, but it's just a want-to. It's a mentality. It's can you be tougher than the other team? And that's what we really preach every single day in practice. It's defense first and then followed up by offense. And then eventually I hope Hopefully, especially the last few games, we've been able to shoot the ball a lot better. Uh, so if we can kind of continue that and continue the defense, I think we'll be a tough out. I uh, got to ask you, you uh, you graduated, if I'm not mistaken, if I read everything correctly here, from Asbury. Is that, yep. by the way, that's correct how you say it, right? Asbury, yeah. Yeah, okay. I didn't want to assume there was a, more of a s to it or something. Nope, you got um, it. It's in Kentucky. And you know, yep. it's interesting, not Division Three when you were there. Nope. Now Division Three. Yeah. Uh, I'm kind of curious. A couple of things. One, is that the right move for your alma mater? Uh, and second, have you invited them personally to the SAA? Uh, well, the first question, yeah, definitely. When I was there, uh, we were NAI, but we didn't yeah. have scholarships. Uh, so we were technically an NAI team that was a Division Three team. So right, right. This is a good. This is a good move for them. Um, you know, their women's team actually came down to Barry a couple weeks ago and played us. I've uh, Will Will Schaus, who's the head coach there, was there when I was there. Uh, so I I told him anytime we want to play, we can do it and things like that. So uh, I don't know what what league they're trying to get into. I think they're still working to. <laughs> working that out USA I've heard scuttlebutt but we won't go into it yeah yeah so but uh, but I know he's a good coach and they'll be really good once they find a home it's interesting that you know I, I think we go through phases in division three when NIAs especially but even others decide that division three is the right place for them what is it from your perspective as now being in division three for a few years uh, we should point out this is I think your first division three Fourier because you were at Valdosta at one point uh, at some community colleges as a coach as well. I don't think you've been in Division Three other than this job. But yeah. knowing this job and what you've experienced, at least in the southern part of Division Three, what is it about the division that NAIs are now again being attracted to, including your alma mater? Yeah, no, I just think that it's it's the whole encompassing atmosphere of Division Three. It's not just all right. We're gonna go out there and just be a basketball guy. Uh, you know, we're we're putting academics at the forefront. Uh, you know, we're putting the culture at the forefront, and then athletics is kind of that third tier thing. So we want we want guys that are well rounded. And I think Asbury kind of fits that mold too. They just don't want guys coming to school to uh, to, to be basketball guys. They want guys coming to school because it's 
since Asbury or Barry College. And I think that that's one thing that being at a Division II most of my career, uh, that's, a, that's a little bit shift right there where we were recruiting just pretty much basketball players from the transfer portal and, and uh, you know, junior college guys where it's just they if they you take away basketball, they don't have a life. But here in Division III, uh, they, they have other interests and they're well-rounded individuals and they're going to be good products in society after they leave here. And they're learning a lot, playing at a, a pretty high level here too. So, Great perspective. I appreciate that, uh, especially to hear you, you talk about the slight differences. And we obviously didn't go into detail of all the di- of all those different perspectives. So thanks very much for that. I- I'd love to chat with you more, but we'll let you go. We've, we've let you be on a little later than we told you you would be. So I know you got bigger things and bitter, bigger fish to fry. Uh, I will ask, as I did the last coach before letting you go, the SAA race, how do you see it shaping up, uh, including yourselves? Is this going to be a fight all the way to the end with this five-way tie maybe is alluding to what we see, or do you think there's going to be some separation and the, and the cream will rise? Well, that's so, that's so hard to tell, you know, uh, you know, cause, cause Hendricks was hit by the COVID bug when we played him the other day, uh, you know, there's other teams struggling. So I, I think there'll probably be a little bit of separation uh, from, from a few schools. I think there's probably a three or four schools that can really kind of separate themselves. And then the, the rest are kind of going to be t- in the middle of the pack fighting for jockeying for position uh, in the tournament. But I, I could see a number of teams slipping in there, winning the conference tournament. Hopefully we're still in the mix at the end. Uh, I expect us to be there. Um, if we continue to play that we want to be, but I can see that this could be a really competitive uh, season in the SAA. Well, I appreciate the time. Thanks so much. By the way, if you're looking for competitive games, there's a great event called the D3Hoops.com Classic out in Las Vegas. I'm just saying. Yes. Uh, I happen to know the event. Uh, if you need if you need some help, we can, we can make arrangements. Yes, um, well, we're definitely interested in getting, getting out there and being more national for sure. By the way, I totally forgot to mention, you also went back-to-back on events. You were in Naples, Florida for, for two games against Marywood and Albright and then headed out to Nashville for Wheat and Carthage. So you also got the uh, mileage in. Granted, yes, Nashville was a dr- bus drive, I'm sure. Yeah, it was. But it, with three straight weeks on the road for any any team, is uh, it's tough. So exactly. I'm glad we got some home games this weekend. Yeah, oh, by the way, Christmas was in the middle. Um, <laughs> we have a tradition on the show. We always give the guests the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuned in? No, I just appreciate you having me and uh, rep- uh, recognizing Barry College as, as an up-and-coming team. And I appreciate your, you getting our name out there and for voting for us for top 25 spots. So we appreciate that very much. Hey, no one says I'm right. I just happen to be doing it. Well, we, right now you're right. So, <laughs> <laughs> Well, thank you so much, Coach. Really appreciate it. Congratulations on the job. Congratulations on the season so far. Look forward to seeing how the SAA shapes up. And uh, stay safe out there and enjoy the rest of the season. I appreciate it. Thanks so much for having me. Absolutely. Trevor Lydic joining us here on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline. He is the uh, interim head coach there at, uh, at um, I was about to say Asbury. <laughs> Obviously, Barry. It's Barry, folks. Uh, and that may be, it may be a little harder that I that I put my, my mind to. Uh, we'll see how they play out. Again, coming up center, who's not having a great season, but they're always tough under Greg Mason and Swanee coming up this weekend, and then Millsaps and Birmingham Southern. Not in that order. It's Birmingham Southern, then Millsaps. Take another break. When we come back, continue our men's basketball game, uh, conversation with another team that's flying under the radar. Uh, they only got two first uh, top 25 votes, and they're undefeated. Clark joins us. They're playing their best basketball since the heyday of the Clark basketball program in the, in the 1980s. You're listening to Hoopsville presented by D3Hoops.com. Back with plenty more Hoopsville ahead. This is why we love sports. It's in the way they play. Free from the pressures and all the money talk. Playing for simply the love of the game. 
where everyone has a shot at their definition of success on and off the field. This is what we love about sports and what we can still love about college sports. This is why we love sports. It's on us. It's on all of us. And it's time to act now. It's on us to start the change. It's on us to be the change. It's on us. It's on Division Three. It's on all of us to stop sexual assault. More schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games, leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. My name is Marcus Walker. I was All-State, won a state championship, a high school All-American, and played college and pro ball. I played because I love the game. I grind to be the best. I sweat because I put in work. I'm strong because I believe. When I want to bring it before game time, I come to the house that college basketball built, the CBE. No matter your skill, take it to another level. Elevate your game right here at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. My name is Marcus Walker. I was All-State, won a state championship, a high school All-American, and played college and pro ball. I played because I love the game. I grind to be the best. I sweat because I put in work. I'm strong because I believe. When I want to bring it before game time, I come to the house that college basketball built, the CBE. No matter your skill, take it to another level. Elevate your game right here at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. My name is Marcus Walker. Well, all kinds of tech issues. Started the commercial again there, folks. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you're enjoying the show. You got questions for us? Tweet us at D3Hoopsville and hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, hoopsville at d3sports.com. Join us on Facebook, facebook.com slash hoopsville. Or you can uh, join us on YouTube at youtube.com slash hoopsville. We're live simulcasting the show. Uh, I did finally figure out how to see comments on Facebook, which were not appearing in the past. Um, so if you do want to comment there, we'll try and see them. For some reason, through our producer, we can't see comments. And I it makes no damn sense to me. Anyway, uh, I did see someone on Twitter jump in. Uh, let's see here. Nope. That was something else. I thought it was about something else, but no, it's not. Um, <laughs> someone we'll talk about Bob Quillman not able to join us later tonight, but apparently one person thinks he, he might be out with the Emory men's basketball team. That's pretty good. Um, all right. So one team that, that listen, a Twitter person raised the question. I don't remember when it was a while back. I apologize. Um, but they asked the, the uh, what I think was a legit question. 
uh, Clark is undefeated. Why aren't they getting any top 25 love? Well, as a top 25 voter, I at least went, well, let's at least look at this. I've heard this line before. Well, they are undefeated. Now, I'm not going to sugarcoat it and say they should be in the top 25. I don't know. I didn't vote for them this time. Remember, last guest I did vote for. This guest I'm not. Notice what I'm doing here? I'm hedging my bets. But they are undefeated. Best start since mid-1980s. And, of course, the Clark basketball program was really good in the 80s and 90s. So it's saying something that they're off to their best start. But I'd like to talk about the schedule and who they are as a team to get to better understand them. That's how, as a top 25 voter, I like to vote. Tyler Sims joins us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline. He's the head coach of the Clark team, uh, who is 12-0 overall, uh, and a whole uh, huge 1-0 in, in New Mac play, because we've really gotten into that. We'll talk a bit more about that, Coach. But thanks thanks for taking the time. I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me, Dave. Um, every win in the New Mac is tough, so so one one win is, a, is always a good one. But That's true. Um, no, as, I, as I mentioned pre-show, appreciate you having me on, and um, everything that you, Pat Coleman, D3Hoops.com does for D3 student-athletes is terrific. So uh, really excited to be on and, and talk talk Clark Hoops. Well, thank you, sir. I appreciate that. We'll talk a little bit about your history here in the uh, in the, uh, in the the Division Three world, but let's let's talk about this 12-0 start. I'll be honest. One of the reasons I'm not voting for you guys, and, uh, you know, I, I'm usually pretty honest about these things, I don't look at the schedule and get blown away. And I realize there's limitations and there's challenges. And there was, oh, by the way, COVID, uh, especially last year, that can blow things up. But just quickly go through the 12 games. It's John Jay, Fitzburg, Bates, New England College, uh, York of New York, Anna Maria, Leslie, Fra- uh, Framingham State, Connecticut College, Gordon, Wentworth, MIT. Now, granted, went over MIT, pretty solid, especially if you can get Larry anytime you can, uh, especially at their place. That's a good win. Uh, Connecticut College, not too shabby either. By the way, if anyone's out there, Tim Sweeney's dying to play some games if you want to schedule him. Tim is all up for some games right now, especially middle of next week or this week. Um, Schedule is what it is, but give me a little bit of insight about, A, that schedule, and, B, your team and how it's done against it so far. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's funny. I think a, a lot obviously goes into scheduling, as you know, and uh, I was listening to the podcast earlier uh, last week, <laughs> um, last week with Kevin App. And, um, you know, it's funny. I, I pretty much agreed with what he said. You know, it's just there's there's many factors to it. And, awesome. and obviously with with COVID um, this past last year, canceling most every Division three season, there's even less certainty um, as far as like what you can predict for not only your own team, obviously, but the other, um, you know, for us, 11 non-conference games that we yeah. schedule. So, um, yeah, first and foremost, you know, we, we try to limit uh, missed class time. So during the week, you know, we want, we want our guys in classes. And that's just, um, you know, something we believe in as a university and, and something I personally believe in as a coach. So, um, you know, that's, that's a factor into it. And, and then there's many others, too. Like, you know, John Jay was coming off a 21 season. Ryan Highland does a great oh, job. certainly, yeah. Great job there. And, you know, I think with the COVID year, then also some own uh, restrictions in, in his at his school, you know, they're, they're a little bit down this year, you know. So there's things like that. But obviously New England College, Charlie Mason does a great job there. Uh, guys like Calvin Cheek and, and others, they're predicted to win their conference. Um, you know, a couple good wins against Bates and Khan, as you mentioned, Wentworth and others. Um, you know, and then, then we – we have some traditional city rivals and, and local rivals that we keep on our schedule, um, you know, for the relationships and many other factors too. So, sure. so yeah, it's, it's kind of how the, 
you know, going off of COVID, that's how the schedule broke down. Um, you know, I think our guys, you know, to their credit, uh, have shown up every game, you know, and, and it's, it's really hard to do uh, when, you know, sometimes it's, you have a, you have a letdown or, you know, you don't, you don't come ready to play and someone gets you, you know, and, and it's a real testament to, to our guys approach and how hard they've worked where, you know, um, even if we don't shoot it well, we've really been defending and, and that's carried us to some wins where, you know, our shooting percentages are really bad, but we've, we've really defended and, and that's given us a chance to win and, you know, and they've competed hard enough, played hard enough to, to come out on top. So yeah, again, many elements of scheduling, but um, you know, really excited that our guys have, you know, whoever we play, that they've come ready. And, and that's a, uh, again, a testament to them. Well, and certainly getting that insight about, and, and you mentioned Kevin App. I think one of the, the big things I took away from that conversation with Kevin, and, and I've had many a conversation with coaches, but I don't think it, it, it sometimes is bluntly said, as Kevin said, and if you now said, sometimes institutionally, you're going to get some limits, whether you want them or not, you're going to get handcuffed. You may not believe them, or in your case, you do believe them. And I'm not knocking that. I'm just saying there are these limitations that get put in place that you're going to go only a certain distance midweek, which means then everything's on the weekend. And you only have so many options on the weekend, obviously, with everybody wanting to play. My only curiosity is, and I'm, I'm genuinely curious, I do notice you played back-to-back games on the 29th and 30th of December at your place. Obviously an indication of, of a tournament for those of you who, who are looking at schedules and don't totally see that. Have you thought, though, at the same time of going somewhere? Are you, or should say, let me phrase that, are you able to go somewhere other than during the Christmas holiday? So could you go somewhere in the country, somewhere in the larger region, on a weekend around Thanksgiving or somewhere, or is the academic schedule and needs of Clark just restrictive enough that that's just not a doable option for you guys? Yeah. Yeah. We definitely could travel for a a weekend tournament. Um, You know, it's great to host the holiday tournament obviously gives us two home games and and breaks up. Um, It's a great kind of segue into new Mac play. Absolutely. Um, So, so that was, that was a big plus that we were able to do that this year. Um, you know, previous years, I know Clark basketball has traveled um, throughout the country, you know, to Vegas, to Florida, um, to California, to play in some tournaments, usually around the holidays. Uh, but yeah, and the other reason we decided uh, academic calendar wise, it fit really well for us to kind of mimic our NUMAC schedule and play Wednesday, Saturdays. Um, so that was a big reason of trying to schedule that way sure. where we're not we're not overloading our guys with three games in, in a week where we can kind of break it down with two games in a week. And then obviously you know, mentioning John Jay again, you have a great alumni network in New York City. Yeah. You know? So that gave us an opportunity to go down there and have an alumni event. And, you know, again, appreciate Ryan helping to to set that up uh, with their limitations. But then, you know, now we're, we'll travel next year to go up to Bates on a Saturday. And, and again, um, you know, play at a, a difficult non-conference um, game on a Saturday. So, yeah, again, the multiple elements of the scheduling, you know, we try to balance that every year. And then there's Hey, then this comes down to one or two games you got to fill, and then your 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 options are really limited because of you know their time frame, your time frame, and and, and what fits. So. Absolutely, yeah. No, I appreciate that insight. Uh, and again, we should point out you took over in June 2019. So in all realities, you've had one regular season, normal season. Yeah. That schedule is already set. You probably, if anything, may have had to find a game if if that. Yeah, then you went into there. the COVID year. Now you're creating a schedule coming out of that. So there's there's obviously an element here that you haven't been able to probably even do what you want to do necessarily. And again, as you point out, 
there are other priorities. Yep, 100%, 100%. Yeah, it's a work in progress. And, you know, adding Bates last year, John Jay, and again, many others, um, you know, I think has been really good for our program. And we'll continue to build a schedule and, and make minor adjustments with the holiday term and other things to, to make sure we put ourselves and, and our guys in the best position. By the way, um, I'm happy to blame Ryan Highland on this for not putting a program together that we were accustomed to after that one great year. I mean, it's clearly his fault. <laughs> now, Ryan does such a good job. He's such a good guy and, um, you know, real respect for. Yeah, for what he's he- from Catholic. I'm a goucher. Grad. I'm not allowed to give him any credit. All right, I, just, all right, I can't. All right. I can't. And I know he's listening. So I'm going to do that just to see if to test him. See if I get a text Fair message enough. later. Uh, let me talk about the team here, because what's what jumps out at me is you've got a bit of a mix. You've got some seniors and graduates on there who've obviously been with the program, wanted to come back or transferred in who wanted to play. But you're actually led by underclassmen. It's a freshman who's scoring the most points, and Isaiah Taylor, who's played 10 games a season, starting in nine, scoring 17 points a game, four and a half rebounds, four assists a game, an assist-to-turnover ratio of better than one one and a half to one, by the way, also four and a half steals a game. He's a freshman. You also have a sophomore, and I hope I get this right, Bruce Sainalis, um, 17 points a game for him as well. You also have Tyler Davern, and this is where we get to that upperclassman, a graduate at 16 points a game. And uh, Baiko Gaiman at 12 points a game as a graduate. We'll talk about the rest there, but that's an interesting grouping, especially coming out of this this COVID flux where you've got a freshman with very, I'm saying little experience in a very general sense here, leading the way in so many categories, and then you still have four guys in double figures with a bunch of upperclassmen too. Yeah. Um, you know, first off, we, we're fortunate that we have a, a fifth-year free master's program here at Clark. Uh, so it's a, it's a no, great, not, yeah. not too shabby. Yeah. It's a, it's a great academic part of our curriculum, uh, part of our academic curriculum, excuse me. Sure. Um, you know, so that's been a, that was tremendous. It's just tremendous for our guys in every reason um, to be able to get two degrees in five years. So that, so that's, oh, it's awesome. that's first, that's first and foremost. And I say that because, you know, we we were fortunate to have three guys, um, Tyler Biko and, and Matt all come back as graduate students and use their last year, their COVID year of eligibility um, you know, and, and I think they're, you know, they're leading the way in the sense that, you know, Tyler and Biko have had great careers in particular. Matt, obviously, has, has started and played a lot for us um, and, and previously for Paul Phillips, you know, but they, you know, they both scored over a thousand points, Tyler and Biko, and they just want to win, you know, so they're, you know, they're not concerned about those box scores numbers and, and those kind of things like they, they just want to help us win and, and they make winning plays you know, that don't show up, whether it's deflections, whether it's rotations, whether it's communicating off the court, you know, they carry our program. And, and those three, Matt, um, Biko and Wet and, and Tyler, excuse me, we're all tri-captains for a reason, you know, so they, they just do a great job with, with that um, on and off the court for our program, you know, and it's funny, it's changed. I think our leading score has probably changed uh, a number of times um, this year, just because it's, you know, with those four guys in particular, you know, it depends on the matchup, depends yeah. on, you know, a couple of games here and there, um, you know, who's leading us um, in that game. You know, Bruce had 27 against MIT and um, and Isaiah had 24, you know, but Biko had a number of big time plays uh, defensively. You know, uh, Cho for MIT is a really tough point guard and him and Mikey O'Brien did a great job defensively. You know, Tyler had four blocks and double digit rebounds. Right. So it's 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 kind of by committee, which is which is great, you know, because it allows instead of being singularly focused on one or two guys, it allows, um, you know, multiple guys, depending on matchups, but depending on um, the defense, uh, whatever it is, um, or us just that night, 
you know, some guys are feeling a little bit more and, and we can go to them. So it just makes us harder to guard. Um, and then defensively, you know, having versatile pieces, tough guys that play hard. Um, you know, Isaiah's third and second in the country in steals right now. You know, boss as a team, we're third in the country in steals and turnovers forced. You know, so it's 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 much more than one guy and it's much more than four guys. You know, it's it's kind of the next man up, whoever's whoever's able to play that game, whoever's because of COVID or other other injuries, uh, whoever's able to play and, and, and help contribute to 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 get us that win. Um, you know, really, really, again, it goes back to a testament to our guys that how hard they worked and and their approach, um, you know, to, to yeah. fill in those roles. What's interesting is, again, you mentioned the, the change there. Taylor's at 17.2 points a game, and, and St. Louis is at 17.1, Davin at 15.8. So those three are, yeah, any given night that could change easily. Gaiman comes in at 12.1. By the way, St. Louis as a guard, 6.7 rebounds. We mentioned Taylor as a guard, 4.5 rebounds. And you have Davin as a forward at 7.6. 7. And, again, all of those guys are contributing in other ways. Every single one of them has more than two assists a game. Every single one of them has a, a significant number in steals, including Gaiman. And then you get to the rest of this group, and this is where more of that upperclassman group kind of stands out. But you've got a good handful of guys who are averaging five points or better for the most part. So even if they're not on, there's still guys that you can kind of lean on for a couple of minutes here or a possession there or whatever to get more points, get more rebounds, whatever it needs to be. It feels like this has a bit of a, a, bit of a good depth to it. Yeah, hundred percent. Our our depth, our versatility, I think, is is the strongest part of our program, part of part of our team. Um, you know, being able to play a bunch of different lineups, um, being able to as fast as we play. You know, we're somewhere in like the depending on the on the rankings or the metrics. Excuse me, you look at it, we're somewhere around eighty two, eighty three possessions per game, um, which is really fast. You yeah, know, so so being able to have great depth, um, you know, allows us to play at that speed and, and gives us that advantage. Um, you know, where maybe where we're disadvantaged in some other ways that, you know, um, our depth is a huge, huge advantage for us. So, so yeah, hundred percent. And, you know, with, with the fluctuation in rosters and who's available uh, week by week, you know, that that's again, a testament to the guys that are, you know, 11, 12, 13, and and maybe they didn't play early on, but now we're playing more minutes. So the guys that were, you know, eight, nine, and now they might be starting, Um, you know, wherever that is, uh, the guys have, our guys have really stepped up and, and helped contribute to, to our success, uh, you know, early on, obviously, you know, it's, it's a long way to go, um, you know, preference, uh, you know, the 12 and 0 start where we still got 13 games and, and a really yeah. difficult New Mex schedule. So, you know, it's, it's, it's really early on, but really happy with, with our guys approach and how hard they've worked and competed every day. Yeah. Which brings up where I wanted to go next. First, you mentioned COVID a few times. How much have you guys been impacted? Obviously your last game against Wheaton, which was supposed to have played uh, yes, uh, two days ago, Saturday was postponed and hopefully to be made up. Uh, at a later date, I do see it scheduled for the 17th. Correct. Where do you, how has COVID affected you guys? And, and have you been able to quote unquote, get by well so far and and miss the bulk of it? Or how has it played out for you guys? It's tough. You know, I think the, I think the first thing Dave is, is the mental, mental aspect of it, you know, and, 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 and trying to the last two years or 22 months, whatever it is now, you know, I've used the word empathize so much with our guys it's just really hard to to put yourself, you know, as much as I played you know, college basketball at division three and, and coached, you know, for the last 12, 14 years, whatever the number is, um, you know, it's, it's, it, we, no one's been through this, you know, no one's been through what they're going through right now. Um, you know, whether they're seniors last year, whether they're high school seniors or college seniors, um, you know, trying to put yourself in their shoes is, is really, really difficult. So, 
you know, that mental toll, you know, is something we, we openly talk about, you know, we try to have conversations and, and try to make sure that we're available and create spaces for them to, to share how they're feeling, because I, I don't know, you know, I've said a bunch of times I'm throwing stuff at the wall and seeing what sticks and, um, you know, and, and I, and I'm open to trying to help them obviously any, any way I can. So, so I think the mental approach is and mental aspect of it is, is, a, is definitely the most difficult as well as the, I shouldn't say most difficult is, is very difficult on top of obviously yeah. the physical aspect of it and the seriousness of the disease. So, um, yeah, we've had a few guys that have, that have contracted the virus and, um, have missed some time. Um, you know, Clark is doing a great job though, with the testing protocols and communication, you know, from our, you know, upward administration to our athletic trainer, to our, obviously our AD and myself, our associate AD, Kirsten Clark. So a lot of people have, have helped out and just trying us to weather the storm. But again, it's, you know, I just feel bad for the guys that are, they're, they're trying to navigate this and, and still trying to, you know, play college basketball and have a great experience. Um, so yeah, we're working through it. Um, uh, and everyone is, you know, that's the other thing I told them that everyone's going through this, you know, so it's, you know, can't be an excuse. You know, we got to, we got to make sure that we're ready and for whatever comes next and be ready to adjust because everyone's going to be, um, everyone's battling this and, and, you know, whoever adjusts better, uh, I think we'll, we'll, we'll have a better season as we progress the next few weeks. Sure. Hopefully things die down a little bit too, but yeah. who knows? Uh, sure. You talk new Mac. Obviously the new Mac is, is a beast. We've seen it. We've seen some really good teams come out of the new Mac Springfield Babson in the past, obviously WPI is getting top 25 attention right now. Uh, Springfield has certainly been good though. They're having a bit of an off year, but that doesn't mean a Wheaton or, or an Emerson or a coast guard can't come up and surprise somebody. And of course we've already mentioned MIT in this show, but Larry Anderson's not going to just be sitting around either. The new Mac's a beast. Um, I got a couple questions on that first. How do you see it shaping up for you guys? You're kind of on the top right now, but you're just one game in. We've there's a lot to play. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. We're you know um, as cl- coaching cliche as it sounds, you know, we're we're just focused on Emerson and having a good practice tomorrow, getting ready for them on Wednesday. Um, yeah, it, it's a really difficult league, and that's what's fun about it, though. You know, I mean, last time there was an NCAA tournament in Division three. You know, we sent four teams to the NCAA tournament, yeah. which is the most in division three in the country and half our league, you know? So, I mean, like that's the, that's the fun, um, but also the the difficult challenge of, of what we look at, you know, and, and Kevin Jasquist does a great job and, and always makes a run as you kind of alluded to there, Coast Guard. So, you know, there's, there's really good coaches, really good players, really good teams, um, you know, throughout the conference. And um, I don't think this year is any different, um, you know, with, with the early success of some teams, non-conference um, with, with some really good wins, you know, I think, um, I really like our guys and I really like how hard we're competing. You know, I think what, um, what they do, you know, uh, on a daily basis has prepared them for these, for these games. And, and, you know, again, if we keep having that attitude where we're showing up and respecting every opponent, you know, whether it's the first game of the year or was what's Wednesday game 13, um, you know, where I think, I think we're going to be in a good spot, you know, but it's, it's, we try, it's, we, we always say like, it's about us, you know, it's about us. It's not necessarily about the other team. If we do, we, if we do what we do really well, um, you know, we're going to feel good coming out of that 40 minutes or 40 plus minutes, whatever it is. Um, it took 45 to get past MIT, and I wouldn't be surprised if there's a few more of those games on the on the New Max slate that are uh, 40 plus minutes. But anyways, yeah, so it's it's always a difficult, difficult conference. And that's again, that's what's fun because we want to, you know, you want to compete at the highest level, you know, and when we talk about that in recruiting and we're not we're not shy about the you know standards of our program and the. 16 NCAA tournaments, the six elite eights, the two final fours, you know, that Clark's been in. Um, that's what we, 
you know, that's what we we had in our program. That's what the, the banners in our gym are about. And, um, you know, to to compete at that level nationally, you got to be really good in your conference. And that's what the new Mac um, gives us that opportunity to to do. You graduated from Trinity, so you're a NESCAC guy. I'm curious, and it's maybe a bit of a loaded question, but you you follow basketball enough. What I think a lot of people think NESCAC's way up here, New Mac's good, but it's it doesn't compare. How do they compare? Are are they closer than maybe a lot of people realize? Are they maybe yeah, a little bit apart? Yeah, no, I think I think they're they're very similar in a lot of ways. You know, you have great traditional um, basketball programs led by coaches that have had longevity for reasons um, and had national success uh, for reasons. Um, you know, there's definitely a difference, I think, in the conferences and, and us playing, um, you know, round robin style, um, where we have 14 conference games playing home and away, you know, opposed to the NESCAC that, you know, only plays, you know, um, each team once. You know, so I think that's definitely a difference um, in the scheduling and, and in the conferences. Um, you know, but I think the talent, um, you know, guys at, at every, you know, all over Division Three, you know, have, have gone on to play professionally, you know, so there's really talented players in every conference. Um, you know, there's teams that have competed nationally, um, you know, from both from both conferences, um, you know, and, and, and showed that obviously won national championships, but also, you know, been to final fours like like we have in national championship games like we have. Um, so. Yeah, recent success, you know, it's, it's very it's very similar. Um, the, the history, I'll leave that to, to guys like you and Pat to, to debate, you know, a little bit further. But, you know, obviously I'm biased, but the numbers will tell you that, you know, we we went to we, we sent four teams to the NCAA tournament. You know, so we played eight. We played eight games against NCAA tournament teams two years ago. You know, I don't know many teams that are going to be able to say that no matter their non-conference schedule. Um, you know, so, again, that's I think that's. That's where our, our conference is, and I'll leave it to you guys to, to debate further about the uh, comparisons. Oh, I'm really hoping you just take it off our shoulders. Um, I'm curious. Obviously, you were at Trinity. You, you did some coaching at Trinity. You then moved on to the Patriot League, uh, and we're a long-time assistant coach, especially at Brown. What drew you, quote-unquote, back to Division Three and really to Clark? And let's be honest, before you came in, this was a program that was single digit in the win column more years than it wasn't. So I'm curious what attracted you back into the division and what attracted you to Clark? Yeah. I mean, I, I've been fortunate to coach at some really good schools, um, really good basketball programs and for some really good coaches. And, you know, to me, um, you know, basketball is basketball division one, two or three, even prep school. I've coached at all, all four levels. Uh, basketball is basketball. Um, you know, so to me, it was an opportunity to be one to be a head coach. You know, which I think was was something that that I desired at some point in my career. Um, and also, I just realized the value of really good good jobs that fit my personality, fit kind of my background and my beliefs. Um, you know, on and off the court, and and Clark presented that in, in a big way. Um, one, I had a connection with Wally Hallis, who obviously was a great coach, great player, great coach here, administrator, Hall of Fame. Um, went on to to coach at Columbia afterwards. Um, my one of my best friends and former teammates is John House, his son. So gotcha. I had some insight into Clark. Um, not only did we play against them when I was an undergrad uh, as a player, as a student athlete at Trinity, and you know, we played against Clark every year non-conference. Um, but with that connection through Wally Hallis, um, was able to gain some insight into the program. Obviously, previously with his success, you know, going to eleven straight NCAA tournaments as a coach. Um, and, the, and the number of players, the great players, Hall of Famers, All-Americans that he coached. So just kind of knowing that 
um, what the program was about, you know, the opportunity to, to win at a, at a national level, um, mixed with a great academic institution. Um, you know, obviously we mentioned about the, the fifth year program and the academic curriculum. We have a great alumni base. Uh, Mark Lazary, the owner of the Milwaukee Bucks, played basketball here. Um, you know, so always got to shout out Mark and he always he does a lot for our program. But, you know, and numerous others, you know, Kevin Cherry is, is on the board of trustees and it's terrific um, at, at helping in a lot of ways and just talking with our guys. So again, that mix of, of a, of a competitive possible, you know, nationally competitive uh, program that's been done before. And then a great academic institution, great administration that supports us. Um, President Fithian, um, RAD, Trisha Cronin, all have been really, really supportive and, and being in Worcester, I'm a Massachusetts guy. So, you know, being in Worcester, like I, I love it here, you know, it's, it's, it's close to some family and, and I believe in the education and what the university provides. So again, that mix was to me, it was a no brainer. If they were um, you know, dumb enough to hire me that, you know, I, I jump on that, I jump on that right away because it's, Hey, listen, this is, this is a, a great mix and, and a great opportunity to, to build something that's been done before, you know, sure. the, the rule had to pay you. So. Yeah. It's been a while since Clark has been in the, in the national spotlight per se. I, I, not long enough that I don't remember. Uh, I certainly remember Clark and it's great day. So I'm looking forward to seeing where you may be able to take this program and 12 and I'll start. Listen, it doesn't matter what we talked about in the schedule in terms of, of the fact you're 12 and oh, you still have to go out there and win those games and you've went out there and win those games. So congratulations on that to say the least. Uh, I appreciate the time, especially since we're running a little later than we said we would. And I appreciate you sticking around with us as always. We give the coach the final word, any final thoughts you want to share with those who might be tuned in. Yeah, just again, just want to say thanks again for uh, for having a, having me on and, and talking about Clark basketball. I, as, as I've hopefully you've hopefully heard, I'm really excited about you know this year's team, but the program and the university and 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 what we're what we're doing here. So uh, again, uh, appreciate the the publicity and support. And, and again, thanks for for all you do for our student athletes. Well, thank you, Coach. Appreciate the time. Take care of yourself. Stay safe. Good luck the rest of the way. Obviously, Emerson and Coast Guard coming up. This week, we'll look forward to hopefully seeing you on the floor first, first and foremost, but then getting those games under your belt as well. Absolutely. Yeah, thanks, Coach. Take thanks, care. Coach. Tyler Sims joining us from Clark. Again, they are 12-0 and on the season. Again, Wheaton and Emerson – or Wheaton was the one that was postponed. That'll be made up on the 17th. What I meant to say is then Emerson at Clark, then back home again. It's Wheaton. We'll see how it plays out. When we come back, Ryan Scott jump, uh, jumps on the line. We talk about the top 25 and some other things. You're listening to Hoops Hope, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. Play more ahead. basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum, it's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor's Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that College Basketball built. Great moments are born from great opportunity. That's what you have here tonight. 
That's what you've earned here tonight. This is your time. Now go out there and take it. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. For the love of the game, but for those of us who are Division Three student-athletes, it's more than that, a lot more. Sure, the game is important, but as we work so hard to build both mind and body, it's more about team. That is why NCAA Division Three teamed up with Special Olympics. And in giving the gift of sport to those for whom it seemed an impossible dream, we are working to make this a better world. Help us keep that dream alive. You can make a difference. Hey, buddy, buddy, whoever you are, that person on the camera, I guess that's me. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. How are you doing? Hope you're enjoying the show. Um, if you've got questions for us, at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville is how you can do it on Twitter. You can email us, hoopsville at d3sports.com. Don't see any emails. If you tried that and it's not working, um, find my email on the website, and you can use that as well. Had some email problems earlier today, but they've been alleviated. Apparently, I I, I, I need to delete more. Who knew? Um by the way, uh, end of the show, we talk about a book that arrived today in the mail and some other little bits of, of business, uh, including the fact that you may have noticed uh, we finally figured out how to split our conversations into regions. We'll talk about how we'll do that moving forward. So every Monday, as we were, as we do, we talk top 25, and that means talking about what we uh, love and don't love about the latest top 25 uh, poll and, and who's doing what and where and how and all that fun stuff. Uh, normally, we get our friend Bob Quillman to join us. That's not going to happen uh, today. We didn't realize Bob wasn't available until the last minute, but that doesn't mean we don't go on without it. First off, we'll get a new rotation of some other individuals who can step in to join us. But nonetheless, Ryan Scott joins us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline. And, sir, it's always fun to have you on the show. And even if Bob isn't here, it started with you and I, to be to be honest, uh, we can always keep it moving if we have to. Um, first and foremost, I hope you are well and that the winter last week didn't bother you too much over there on the Eastern Shore. Uh, no, it's not too bad. I will mention I just got the dreaded weak internet connection notice here, so hopefully this will work out okay. <laughs> well, so far, so good, sir. So far, so good. Uh, we'll we'll try and set up a, a special uh, internet connection for you somewhere down the road. Um, <laughs> hey, listen, I... I don't want to say this week was easy because it, it's never easy, but I, I also had a whole mess of teams who did not play. Normally this time of year, we're talking about Yeshiva and how they don't play this time of year, which really, if you look at it, it's, it's just like everybody else in December. We just don't notice it in December as much, but because of COVID right now, we've got a bunch of, of postponements and cancellations and real quick, one, two, three, Four, five, six, seven. I had eight of my top 25 from the previous poll not play. I don't think that number changed in the new my new ballot because I, I basically voted for everybody who played. 
And no, only one team played three games. Most teams played one. From my perspective, there was a lot of lock them in and then kind of move some parts here and there, but there wasn't a lot of overhaul and, and real deep think, I don't think. No, I, this, this was the first week that I didn't start over. I went with the, the top 25 that I had last week, and I just kind of moved things around a little bit. I did end up dropping three teams out and moving three new teams in, but there wasn't a ton of movement. They were all sort of sort of near the bottom. Don't worry. I've got a couple questions about your ballot. Little birdie told me that I, I will talk about it at some point. But um, overall, we're getting more and more teams on the, kind of the radar. A team like Clark was kind of flying low. Now it's kind of emerged. There's at least one person voting on 24th or two people voting on 25th. There's there's those details to try and hash out while also trying to figure out a team like Williams who goes and has an interesting weekend by beating um, Hamilton but then losing Amherst. By the way, Amherst lost to Middlebury, and so you have those kerfuffles. Overall, I don't feel this way, but do you feel like your top 25 is kind of coming together or is it still kind of all over the place? Um, I looking at it again, I mean, I feel pretty confident in the top 12, maybe. Okay. And then from there, from there that, you know, it's kind of a drop off of teams that I know are good, but you know, they could be 13th and they could be 30th, you know? Yeah, that I can completely agree with. Uh, there's a lot of, a lot of teams I could move anywhere on the darn pole and not feel confident. I have them in the right spot. Um, I guess we'll start off with uh, our usual three and then go from there. We have our usual deep dive, dubious, and debatable. I don't even know who we're debating. I'm going to leave that one up to Ryan tonight. Um, But we'll let you start. You can start with either dubious or deep dive. I'll I'll let you go, or even debatable, wherever you want to go, sir. Your your call. Well, I'm going to start with my deep dive, and I'm breaking my own rule tonight. They got one vote in the poll this week. Um, I think Middlebury's a team we've got to start looking at. Okay. Um, Give me why. Obviously they, they beat Amherst this week. Amherst did not look good in that game. Um, but Middlebury's got a really young team, like young, young. I think they've only got, you know, Alex Sobel, the, the big guy down low is I think the only one who's played any meaningful minutes over the, at, at all until this season. And so, um, and Sobel is one of these guys who can play generally at an all American level, unless he's in foul trouble, which, he is often in foul trouble, right? He's yes. fouled out of five games, five games already this year. It's hard to keep him on the floor, but like that Amherst game, he played 32 minutes. You know, he's averaging like four blocks a game. He's, he's testing the ball. He's, uh, what is he, 13, 14 rebounds a game. You know, it's a really strong player when they can keep him on the floor. And now they've got this uh, freshman, Sam Stevens, who's really coming along. He had a career game against Amherst. Um, big guard, 6'5", I think. Um, can shoot a little bit and, and he's really starting to show up and they're just so young. We don't know what to expect from them and uh, that they, they've only lost twice. So they're looking good. And that's my, that's my deep dive. Not ready to vote for them yet, but somebody is clearly, they got a, a 25th place vote. Yeah, no, I mean, listen, I think, well, I think we might be able to know who it might be. I, I'd have to go back into my tweets to see, Saw a poll, uh, a, a ballot earlier tonight, uh, right after the, right around when the poll was coming out. Actually, it might have been this afternoon, where one individual said they 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 could argue voting for four uh, NESCACs. We'll get into that later. Um, and I'm wondering if that was where that vote was, but I'm not positive. I it can't. was not. 
That was four other Nescax in that poll. <laughs> oh, that's more interesting. Okay, couldn't find it, but I'll take your word for it. Um, I, listen, Middlebury, as much as they lost, I'm with you. I, I kind of have to wait and see. I'm not sure if I'm ready to dive in on that one just yet. But they certainly made a, uh, you know, made themselves known by, with the win right. over Amherst. Granted, Amherst shot eight for 31 from beyond the arc in that game. If they've been able to hit maybe even slightly a few more shots, that's maybe a different ball game. Um, yeah, I don't know what to make of them. And that's, that's a good one though. I like that one. Cause it certainly was on my radar and thought process this week myself. Um, I, I, my deep dive's not great. Yeah. Uh, I, debate... I don't think Middlebury's better than Amherst. No, I would agree with you. That's, that's, I think where the challenge is. Are, are they really better than Amherst? And I'm not sure they are. Um, and I'm not voting for Amherst right now. Uh, yes, I know they beat Williams, but uh, yeah, I just, I can't, I can't jump. So my deep dive, I kind of went with a team that's already been voted for, but they're not getting a ton of love right now. And, and it's not great because I'm struggling a little bit with the deep dive. Cause I feel like I've got a bunch of deep dives on my ballot. Like <laughs> I think I'm responsible for half a case Western reserves votes. Um, I know I'm ha- responsible for half of Barry's votes right now. Um, I'm trying to just look at a couple teams that I, that I considered deep dive and that I haven't brought up before. I brought up Heidelberg before, uh, and others. So I'm struggling a little bit in this department, but I kind of, I'm, I've been watching the sales. They're 13 and one. Yeah. The schedule's not earth shaking, but it's not, it's not horrible that what's, what's struggling for them is some teams that are, have been routinely good. Like Stevens isn't having a great year this year. Muhlenberg, I think a lot of expectations were from. I was looking forward to seeing them on Saturday. Unfortunately, it fell through. They're three and seven on the season, so they they have some games there that just, by no fault of their own, aren't helping any voters. They do have the loss to Drew, and it didn't look good. Seventy-one fifty-four after beating Newman the day before by forty. I'm not voting for him. I have voted for him in the past. I'm not voting for him currently, but they're still thirteen and one. And I always feel that it's this point in the season to only have one or no losses or maybe even two, you must be doing something right, even if your schedule isn't the most difficult, because if you're a really good team, you still win. You've, and and it's kind of a convoluted way of saying it. I have my eye on them. They're having a tremendous season by their standards. I can't pull the trigger yet, but it, we I feel like we can't forget them. And they haven't been at full strength much, right? Haven't they had some injuries to, to some of their Absolutely. Stars? They're, uh, but they're all conference guys. I think in and out. Yeah, they're top from, all conference guy. Game, I think so. he's back. But they they lost him for at least the opening, well, at least November. And that accounted for six games. And I want to yeah. say a couple of games in December, too. So about half of that schedule, he wasn't even playing. And um, that's what I waiting on is is to see what they actually look like when they're at full strength and, and where yeah. they kind of fit in there. I'm kind of with you there too. I, I had them in my top 25. I liked what they were doing. The loss to Drew, I I didn't like it. 71-54 when you blew out Newman the day before, who's 8-5 and five on the season by 40. And listen, I'm not saying Drew's a bad team. They're 7-5. and five. They're a good team, but that's just not a good win or a good loss. Uh, they, of course, went and spanked FTU Florham. 102-63 the game after that. So they certainly got back on the horse. But they haven't played since. 
Uh, again, you know, you've got you've got lots of reasons for that. Um, anyway, so they're my deep dive only because I want to make sure, you know, they're still thirteen and one, and that's saying something for that program. Um, we had them on the show earlier in the year as well, and again, I've also I'm vote <laughs> brought up a bunch of deep dives that I'm voting for. I don't want to keep bringing back up anybody else. By the way, Case Western Reserve did beat Carnegie Mellon. I was surprised how little they got in votes for that win, but uh, I digress. Um, well, that's the debatable team I wanted to give you a chance to talk about. Um, okay. I, I know that you have them quite a bit. I don't know how far up you've got them right now, but you've got them quite a bit higher than everybody else. Um, I'll just, to, to let it out, lay it out for people, they've got three graduate Just waiting for the video. Ryan's audio has dropped out. It's all going to catch up with us very quickly here. Or not. Who's been there a long time. It's coming. Folks, I know it's coming. Uh, um, it's a team that they even don't They should have a great No, we lost them completely. <laughs> oh, that's unfortunate. Um, we will keep the window going here. Hold on a second. <laughs> Sorry, folks. I had my mic off the whole time. Do those technical issues. I've been talking, and you've just been seeing my mouth move. <laughs> you didn't miss anything. All right, so what I was talking about was basically the three graduate students that, that Case Western has, plus um, what else they have on this team. You have Mike Pen- Pendergrass, who played at Marist. Uh, right? Was it Marist? Uh, Mercer. Apologize. He played at Mercer. He played 18 games there. You have Brian Hines, who came from Franklin and Marshall, and you have Griffin Corniker, who came from Winnebury. Those are the three big uh, graduate students who have fit into the program very nicely. Um, Pendergrass, 17 points a game. Uh, Corniker, eight points a game. Hines, eight points a game. Pendergrass is also pulling down three rebounds a game, got three assists per game and a steal and a half per game. Corniker's got four rebounds a game and a staggering 6.6 assists per game. He's got a turnover to assist to turnover ratio of two and a half to one. Plus, he gets about a steal and a half a game. And Hines pulls down six rebounds. Also has an assist-to-turnover ratio of 4.5 to 1 because he doesn't have a lot of assists, but he doesn't turn it over. He's also pulling down uh, an assist and a half a game. And he gets about a block and a half a game. And then you talk about the underclassmen. You've got Cole Frilling, a junior, 15 points a game while shooting 51% from the floor, 29% from deep, and 82% free throw per shooter. He's also pulling down eight rebounds a game, and he's got two and a half assists per game. You've got uh, Robert Faller, 11-plus points a game, shooting well at nearly 50%. He also pulls in 3.5 rebounds a game. He's got 2.5 assists per game. You also have Ryan Newton, a senior, 9.5 points a game, 54.4% from the floor. Um, And also on top of that, 3.5 assists uh, as well. Uh, Sorry, rebounds, rebounds, 3.5 rebounds. And everybody's shooting well. They're shooting 49% as a team. Pendergrass, Frilling, Fowler, Newton, Corniker, and Hines are all shooting better than 49%, and Hines shooting 64%. 
it feels like this team has come together as a unit much better than I thought under Todd McGinnis. And and listen, I've I've picked Todd's brain about what's going on, and I I I have this feeling that he felt he had a good team, but he didn't know how it would gel. He didn't know how it was all going to come together, and it's come together beautifully for him. And I think that's the biggest key for what they're doing so far. And again, playing well. Uh, yes, they had a loss to Eau Claire. We'll get Todd McGinnis on the show at some point to talk about that loss. I can tell you he's got some thoughts. They lost by 14. That was the first game of the season. They've beaten St. John Fisher, Dennison LaRoche, Teal Otterbein, who's having a really good season. I think that one is being un- not quite grasped. Otterbein's 10-3 and in the season, and they beat Otterbein by 11. Hamilton's not having as great a season this year, but they beat Hamilton nonetheless. Hamilton's 6-6. Six and six. Uh, they beat John Carroll, and it was a drubbing. Uh, they beat Adrian Kalamazoo, Hilbert, and now they get this win, granted at the buzzer, but on the road at Carnegie Mellon. That's kind of where I sit with all of that. And now back joining us, now that his, his system is back up and working properly, is uh, Ryan. And don't worry, Ryan, I had to repeat myself, at least to myself, because I somehow killed my mic when I went to answer everything while you were gone. So I've just repeated everything. But what I was saying about Carnegie is not only have those three graduate guys come in, uh, and played really well and gelled with this team. But they've got seniors and even juniors and others who are playing well. They're all shooting very well. And they're getting some sneaky good wins, including wins over Otterbein, uh, K- uh, Carnegie. Sorry, I was talking about Case Western, but they beat Carnegie. Uh, and yes, the Eau Claire loss stinks. But when we get Todd McGinnis on the show later, he'll explain why he, he hates that game in all in all kinds of ways and maybe explain why they lost it away. I think they're better than even Todd McGinnis was expecting. And I know he downplayed it to me in the preseason. That's why I'm, 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 I am all in on case Western right now. And I have a ninth. Now we get to yeah. see if Ryan's audio. That's works. why I wanted to debate a little go. bit. I, I think, I think they're very good. And I just want to see them play a little bit. They got what Emory and Rochester coming up and that'll give us a little bit more of a barometer. Yeah. They have New York Uh, this weekend, then Emory Rochester the next weekend. Yep. Yeah. But let me ask you this. Does the win over Carnegie mean anything? It's a great team. Um, Little breakup again. Oh, there you are. You're back. You seem I like mean, it's big for their pool C chances for sure. Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah. And at this, yeah, it's nope. big for the pool C chances. And at this point, that's, that's what we have to, I mean, that's what they're playing for and we'll have plenty of time to figure out how good they actually are when they get into conference play. Yeah. And, and I'm, I think the win over Otterbein's big, I had been leaning on the Hamilton win though. The Hamilton win isn't as strong as it, it is, as it had been. Uh, the win over John Carroll, I think is significant as well. So those are, kind of the wins that I'm looking at and going, okay, you know, listen, not bad. Now I know John Carroll, six and seven, I get it, but it's still good wins for a team that's playing at a really high level. Listen, they haven't had a game under 76 points and that's the only game in the seventies. They really, if you take that game out, they're scoring 83 or more points a game. I mean, they are clicking. So that's where I'm at. I don't know if I changed any minds, but yeah, I have them ninth. Pat, trust me, Pat checked with me. Pat checked with me. He literally messaged <laughs> me today. He goes, 
did you mean to have Case at nine? And I thought because I put someone stupid in there that I had misdragged a name. Like, yeah, yeah, no, who'd I put in there? He goes, no, you did. I just wanted to make sure that's who you meant. You have them significantly higher than anybody else. And I, I said, I realize that. I, I, I like them. I, I like where they are. Um, I, I Quickly, before we, we go to Dubious, right? Let's see. Yeah, yeah, Dubious. Yeah. I, since we're debatable, I, I want to bring back one we debated last week because a little birdie told me you moved them up. That you moved up Ooh. Tufts. And they hadn't even played any games. So I'm dying to know why four and seven Tufts is moving up your ballot. Well, I I dropped Whitworth a few spots. So everybody moved up one spot. Um, it was not just a, a whole thing. I I I watched that Whitworth game and I I felt like I'd had him a little bit too high. So it wasn't that I was intentionally moving anybody up. I just moved Whitworth down a few spots. Okay. Okay, I, I only moved one team that I believe I only moved one team up. I'm I'm quickly looking at my do not play notes, and everybody's moved. The only one I moved up was Elmer's, and again, as you said, it was about moving somebody near them down. I moved Harden Simmons down. Everybody else played that that I moved. Um, I, I still think you're crazy, and I, I'd wait longer before I'm buying into Tufts. But you explained it last week, and if anybody missed it, they can go to last Monday's show. And listen to your reasonings on why you're voting for a four and seven team. I don't even know where you have them. I know it's not high, but they're on there. Um, yeah, they they have crept up to number sixteen ooh, right now. So. That's higher than I thought they were. <laughs> that's not creeping well, it's up, higher sir. Than, it's higher than they were, and now they're now they're just a little bit higher. <laughs> so, Jeez. listen, like if you I had said, them twenty five or twenty four, I'd give it to you. Sixteen. Once, once you get past that number twelve spot, I really am lost at who should be there and who shouldn't. So see, that's, that's I where find they that are. interesting, and I know my top ten isn't exactly like everybody else's. I have a few teams that are high. Case Western Reserve, for example, I have them nine. I don't. I think I was told nobody else has them higher than twenty-one. So I get that fills in my top 20, fifteen or so with some strength with with uh, with with names that would move others down, but. I mean, teams like, well, I guess I could see your point. If, if you're voting for Maryville, you probably you probably aren't sure where to put them. Are you scratching your head about so, a, a Hopkins and a Mount Union and a Wartburg? I, I'm just guessing. So, so I can I can tell you. So I've got 13. I have Oswego right now, who I think is really good. You have Oswego have 13. Played, they've not played a ton out of region, right? They're they're. I don't know how to judge them other than looking at them. I think they're pretty good. They've won most of their games, you know, and then after that, I've got Elmhurst, which I'm very dubious about, but you know, they've got a strong team. They've got some wins. I'm not sure where to go with that. I've got RPI in there who hasn't played a good team with their full roster yet. You know, like I I don't know where to put them. And then I've got Tufts behind them. I've got Maryville who I think is much better on paper than I've seen them play. Um, And so I'm, I'm a little dubious about that and i've got roanoke and amherst and harden simmons i've got all these teams that should be a little better than what they've shown on the floor and so i don't i don't really know where to put anybody that's fascinating because all the teams you just mentioned are teams i either have in the lower quarter of my poll or not at all yeah i want to vote for oswego but as i said on last week's show because i i think i think highly oswego too but if i'm going to vote for oswego i got to vote for rpi and nazareth too 
because we had the A beat B beat C beat A scenario, and I can't break it out. Uh, Oswego's, listen, having a great season. Uh, They just beat St. – well, they didn't just beat St. Lawrence. They beat St. Lawrence a week ago, 74-60. They'll get into conference play, hopefully. The Suniac's a little bit of a mess right now, and that will give us a little bit more. But I agree with you. But if I was going to vote Oswego, I I had to somehow get RPI and Nazareth in, and I don't have room for all three. But that's interesting because then you mentioned Elmhurst. I got him 21. You mentioned Harden-Simmons. I've got him 23. I've got Williams 24. Um, I don't know who else you mentioned off the top, but those are just ones – and the other ones, I I didn't, I'm not voting for RPI right now. So, interesting. We're, we're, we're going to get a lot this week if all the games happen. right? We're going to see a whole bunch of high-level games. We're going to know a lot more. I'm really hoping that I'll have a lot more confidence next week. I think at this point, when I've got you know 20 teams for 10 spots, I'm kind of going with teams that have a track record, right? Teams yeah. that you know ha- have put together good programs and you know, they're, they're winning this year, but you kind of have a little more confidence because they win every year. Yeah, fair. No, I see your point. But it also shows how voters can be all over the place. All right, dubious. Yep. I'm curious what your dubious is. So this one isn't quite, this isn't quite fair okay. because I'm not really dubious. But um, Johns Hopkins, I did not understand their high ranking two years ago. And I didn't quite get the preseason ranking this year. I think they've played excellently. When I've watched them play, I've become a believer. I've got them sitting at number 12. I think they're solidly in that top tier of teams. You know, I I don't have a problem with that. Um, I do think they're a very different team when the the transfer Lincoln Yutter, Yutter is playing than when he's not. And he's missed the last couple of games and they've got Swarthmore tomorrow. And so that's really what I'm dubious about is if the, if he's playing or not, and they've got the team that can, that can, um, you know, I, I have become a believer, but I'm also, uh, I'm not, I'm not, haven't seen it proven out yet. Who are you talking about playing again? Remind me. Hopkins. No, 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 the player. Oh, it's Lincoln Yetter. I'm not sure exactly how to pronounce his name. No, I know who you're talking about. I, I just wanted to make sure I was on the same page with you. Um, yeah, yeah, I've got them. I've got them up. Uh, I've got them currently. They were 16th. Now they're 15th. That's about where I feel comfortable with them. Um, I have Swarthmore off my ballot, um, kind of part and parcel to a point you made earlier this season about their strengths or lack thereof. And I certainly buy it. Listen, I I think when you got a guy like Connor Delaney on your squad, uh, and stirring the drink, I feel good about it, but they also have a guy named Tom Quarry I've seen play and I love, um, by the way, he shoots 91% from the, from the free throw line. So if you're going to foul quarry, you're screwed. Um, he shoots 46% from the floor. He shoots 44% from deep. If he's rolling from deep, now you got a problem because you're either going to have to stop Connor Delaney, who's always scoring almost 20 points a game, uh, and shooting 46% from the floor while handing out, uh, the most assists on the team. I can't do the math real quick. Oh, it's 10 games. It's 4.4, 4.4 assists, 2.2 steals per game, 4.2 rebounds a game. If you're going to try and stop Delaney, then Quarry's going to get you. I agree with you with, with Lincoln. I do want to see what he brings to the table, but they're clearly getting contributions from other guys that I think make them really good. By the way, uh, Sidney uh, Tybel's going to have to fix his free throw shooting. Um, if anyone hasn't seen that number, well, go check it I out. I think with a lot, of those, a lot of those guys that they're relying on past Delaney and Quarry, 
we saw so much promise with them two years ago. Yes. Right? The last time we had a full season. Yes. They were a lot of raw talent yes. that we thought needed some minutes. And then COVID happens and they haven't been able to get minutes over the last two no, years. No, I don't. So I'm just yeah, interested I mean, fair to point. see a fair what point. happens when they come up against a really good opponent and and how they're how they've adjusted and grown. It's not that I'm um saying they're not very good. I just I'm not sure we've seen all the evidence we need just yet. Fair. I mean, they beat Christopher. Or, sorry, they lost to Christopher Newport in the opener by two. That was at Christopher Newport. Yep. That's their only loss. They're nine and one. Yep. Um, spanked Salisbury, handled York, handled St. Mary's, um, beat a Gettysburg team that everybody was all up about in this region. I, I didn't quite understand, but handled a Gettysburg team in the first game of conference play. Beat Lyco by thirty. Beat Washington College, who Yeshiva struggled against by 21 uh 31 and beat Muhlenberg um back on December 4th by uh, almost 20 points they handled Dickinson and they handled Haverford what i'm seeing there is a team that is really good and handling opponents that were supposed maybe some were supposed to be better than they were given credit or they are as good and Hopkins is making them look foolish i agree with you the game against Swarthmore's huge cuz that's going to be a good barometer for both Swarthmore and Hopkins um, and then I hopefully, uh, will see them. I won't see them, uh, as soon as I want to, I won't see them until the 2nd of February, but, um, unfortunately Hopkins isn't allowing fans or I try and sneak in there sooner, um, to see them, but I'm going to try and watch a little bit more video now that I got some extra free time coming up, lost my game on Wednesday. Um, but I, I just think they're, they're, they're a sneaky good team. If, if you're talking about a team that do a deep dive on, who's in the top 25 and seems to be flying on a radar, Hopkins would be my choice, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Um, my dubious team, and really, I, I you guys have nailed a lot of good ones this year, so I don't have a lot of good picks. I, I mentioned Marietta last week. They're sitting in eighth. I'm a, little, I'm a little skittish. I'm a little surprised Oshkosh didn't take a bigger hit falling down to, to, to sixth because I thought the loss to Whitewater, granted it's Wyack play, and I didn't kill him hard. I moved him down one spot. I thought other voters would. I'm just so used to other voters. Uh, I don't want to rehash the Swarthmore conversation because they're sitting in 16th, and I kind of agree with you. They haven't done much to prove much. So I'm kind of lost on what to do with a with a, a dubious, except for this, the NESCAC. And I don't want to harp on the NESCAC. Ah. <laughs> But when I saw Mike Raniac say he could put four NESCAC teams in, I, I had to turn off Twitter for a, a little bit today. I, I just cannot see the argument. And Kevin Apps' argue, statement that one schedules we love one year, we hate the next, he might have a point there. It might be worth double-checking how we we grade some from some schedules but also that some of those schools are very much restricted on where they can go play during the academic year i think those are two valid points but four nescac teams even three in a top 25 ballot to me seems really dubious am i missing something ryan well i think what we have here is what we don't normally see out of the nescac is that you've got the a number of teams that seem pretty loaded that just are not playing up to the level they're capable of. Usually we see these NESCAC teams kind of roll through the easy early schedules and then they hit conference play and they're sharp 
And these are really high quality games. And what we saw this last weekend with the NESCAC games is they were not super high quality. These guys were not clicking on all cylinders. You know, I think this Amherst team can be very, very good, but they were a mess at Middlebury. Well, and I didn't think they played super great at Williams either. You know, like, yes, it's Kevin app said that they're a dangerously good team. And I agree what he, I see what he's saying there, but I agree with you. They were, that was a lousy game against Middlebury. And when the, what I watched of the Williams game, I was more surprised by what Williams wasn't able to do than I was with Amherst because Amherst, they felt like they nearly blew the game away at the end. Like they almost gave it back to Middlebury. I mean, uh, back to Williams granted at Williams, but it's not like the crowd was there. So it's not, it's not like it's a, a, a bad place to be playing. I just, I mean, who else are we going to vote for, though? I mean, Wesley and I voted for it. I put Williams and Wesley in 24 and 25. I can't argue to put our Amherst in. I know what you're saying about Middlebury. They're not touching it. Who else are we voting for? Colby? Well, and so this is the thing is, I had four in last week, and I dropped Williams and Wesley and out this week. And wow. I'm voting for Amherst and Tufts. So, and somebody voted for Middlebury. And so there's five teams getting votes. And I, I, I mean... I think it is much more what you think they can do. And and to be honest, that's how lots of people are voting on teams with weak schedules, right? Swarthmore, we saw that with Yeshiva, right? Like you're you're saying when they're at their best, this is a top whatever team. We just are not used to not seeing the NESCAC teams at their best. And we just haven't. I don't think we've seen any of them play a great game this year. What I think is surprising about that is coming into the season, we all... Well, I thought we all had an understanding that the NESCAC wasn't going to be what we were used to. That the NESCAC, after going through COVID, you can't hold on to some guys. You're going to lose some talent. They went through a whole host of coaching changes in those two, in that year and a half, whatever you want to call it. Listen, I lowered my bar of expectations. I'm surprised that we're at this point, and it feels like voters are voting on them as if it's 2019. And maybe I've got this misread completely. I think Williams is a good team. Not great. Wesleyan has impressed me. Amherst is streaky. Middlebury, you got me now thinking about, I'm not buying into Tufts yet. I'm not not doing there. I am not going into Tufts. So that gives me maybe three teams. Um, I know that, well, Connecticut College is trying to play. I think they've lost like five of their last six games to uh COVID. Um, I know Bowden's having an okay year at nine and four. Trinity's six and three. Bates is five and four. Colby's seven and six. Hamilton's six and six. I, I'm just surprised. Well, we'll see. Anyway, that was kind of where I want wanted to go with Dubious was. Am I wrong or are we crazy right now with well, an NSCAC? And granted, they may I, make four teams in the NCAA tournament and all get to the Elite Eight and we're all sitting there shaking our heads. And I, I also think this is a different year. I think in, in what we would consider a normal year, the way these NESCAC teams are playing would not be worthy of, of rankings. But if you look at the teams ranked currently like 16 through 16 through 25, and you say that team plays Amherst tomorrow, they're definitely going to win. And I just don't think you're going to, you're going to want to take those bets, right? Like if you're putting money on that, you know, Williams and, and Wesleyan and Amherst, are all right in the mix there. And I think perhaps, at least at this point in the season, the teams that we're looking at in, in maybe 
20 through 25 are just maybe not the level that we would we would normally think they are. And so it's a down year for the NESCAC, but it's it the rest of the, the country hasn't quite solidified yet either. Yeah, it's maybe that's what it is. It's a down year, and so people are just going back to their not their safety nets, but their their usuals that that they can they assume, not assume, but they feel comfortable with. I don't know. I, I listen. Our top twenty fives are drastically different. By the way, I keep wanting to blog mine out. Last week got too crazy. I don't know if I'll get to it this week. Um, and I don't look at other people's ballots because I don't want to see how other people are voting, which is why I didn't know how Mike Raniac voted. Um. But interesting. I appreciate the chat about it because that that to me there to have more than maybe two in the NESCAC in your top twenty five feels dubious to me. So I saw the comment about could argue he could have four, and I went, "Whoa, that's 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 almost a fifth of your poll." So anyway, um, was there anything else you wanted to to bring? I know you brought up Case Western. Was there something else or anything else we may have missed? No, I think because of all the cancellations and postponements we didn't have as many games this week as we were hoping to. And this should be a big week coming up. So I think we'll have a lot more to talk about next Monday. Knock on wood. We'll we'll see if these games get played or what other games get dropped. I I think we're going to be a little bit all over the place for the next few weeks and then finally settle down a bit. Anything else you're looking forward to? Anything else you want to bring up? I'll leave the floor to you, sir. Other than this coming Saturday is a huge day. I put it in my around the nation column. That came out last week. Uh, if all these games get played, there's just going to be wall-to-wall, high-quality basketball from about noon to midnight across the country, men and women. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it, too. Um, I'm supposed to have a game on Saturday. Uh, we'll see. Um, I got I got, a, I got two two schools that can have, have games on Saturday. We'll see which one I end up going to. Uh, <laughs> it's crazy, man. I It's... It's going to be one of those years, I think, I'm prepping for two different schools and whichever one has a game I end up showing up at. Um, well, I appreciate the time. Sorry for the tech issues, my man. Maybe we'll try and work on that in the background. Um, but uh appreciate it. It was a fun chat. Do you have any uh, any comments for Bob for, for backing out on us? I mean, I know he's traveling, but I, I think you dedicate yourself, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I'm, I guess as much as I love doing this, Dave, I don't know if I'm I'm choosing this over food, which it seems like was his choice tonight. So that was. Uh, <laughs> I know I didn't choose it over food. I'm I'm a big fan of eating. That's <laughs> <laughs> fair, fair, sir. Oh well, hey, I appreciate the time as always. Thanks and great articles so far this year. Been fun. If you get a chance, read Ryan's stuff on d3hoops.com. Take oh, we care got a great yourself, one sir. I'll talk to you soon. Week. What? Great one coming this week. So I think Wednesday it should be up well, and give uh, a little tease. It, it'll be a good one. Give a tease. So it's, it's going, we, we have the top 10 uh, D three alums, professional careers. Love so it. I saw you I've ranked on one. the yeah, guys. Uh, yeah. All the way back to the seventies and, and forward to present day. Uh, the best pro careers out of, out of D three basketball alums. So I'm, I'm excited about it. And, uh, should be a good one. Didn't realize that was coming out so soon. Uh, I know you have the work you've been doing on that. Oh, yeah. That's going to be fun. That'll be fun. Awesome, bud. Take care of yourself. All right. Have Ryan a good night. Ryan Scott joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline. Sorry for the tech issues there, folks, uh, and sticking with us on the live there. Um, I think I'm just overthinking how I'm producing on my show, basically, uh, of that. So we're not going to take a break. I'm just going to wrap things up here. Uh, let, let me take a quick look at scores because I did see some scores came in. 
today, uh, tonight, I should say, from around uh, the country. So let's just take a look at things. Uh, St. John's and St. Olaf are uh, at halftime last time we checked. By the way, there's another team we talked about. Uh, I'd like to see where they go. Wow, what happened? I don't have – oh, here we go. Um, looking at stats real quick. Oh, that game's almost over, and Olaf made it a game. Uh, at halftime, it was a 10-point game. St. Olaf's won the second half. Um, it is a six-point lead for St. John's, 72-66. But it looks like St. John's going to hold off because there's 12 seconds left to go in that one. Um, Carrollton beat Ham- is going to beat Hamlin, it looks like. I could be wrong there. Uh, oh, I don't have I don't have the latest score on that. That's why. Oh God, I hate these video. I hate the uh, stats through video. Drives me insane. I don't see that game. Am I looking at men or women? That's men. So where's that game? Oh, here it is. Um, nope. Oh, where the heck? This is crazy. Sorry, folks. A little delay. Here it is. Hard to find the, the link for that. Uh, Carrollton wins that game, 62-46. Uh, not, much, not much of a game there. Um, let's see. I thought I spotted something that caught my head. Uh, University of New England beat Curry 80-72. to Clarkson got a win today over Canton. Hiram beat Kenyon. Oh, there it is. Hope beat Trine in men's basketball. Um, trying just, I mean, listen, folks, to, to be blunt, trying had a good year last year. Hey, hats off to them on the 17 and one campaign. They're eight and five this season. They had a three game winning streak, follow, which followed a three game losing streak. They lost to Heidelberg lacrosse Anderson, then beat Stevens point Concordia Albion now loses to hope 61 48 hope in the meantime. So trying's eight and five hope is nine and four. The Mayak race, the Mayak race, the MIAA race is interesting. Hope's on top right now at two and zero. Oh. Calvin, Trine, Albion, Kalamazoo, Olivet, and Adrian all one and one. Um, three teams above 500, Trine, Calvin, and Hope. I'm not expecting a ton out of the MIAA, but that's an interesting result there. We'll keep an eye on how the MIA plays out. But I don't think Trine was ever as good as everyone anticipated. They just had a, a, a kind of a um, – they caught magic in a bottle. They caught lightning in a bottle um, last year. Carnegie Mellon beat LaRoche uh, 80-57. That was a makeup game. I know teams are looking for makeups all over the place. Uh, in women's basketball, Pomona Pitzer, Cal Lutheran in a good game with about a minute left in that one. It's tie, uh, It's Pomona Pitzer by 10. Um, and that's a final. Pomona Pitzer wins 71-57 in that one. Uh, Whittier and Claremont Mud Scripps are playing tonight in women's basketball. Oh, it looks like it's not going to start for another 20 minutes, actually. So never mind. I, I apologize. Uh, University of New England beat Curry easily. Uh, Methodist beat Guilford in women's basketball. Scranton over Clark Summit, but just by 13. Scranton women just, I don't know what it is. I'm going to have to deep dive on them a little bit, but it doesn't feel like they're as strong as, as we're accustomed. Granted, I, I could just miss me misreading that, but Scranton women on the season, 10 and 2 overall, 2 and 0 in conference play. They're tied with Moravian in conference play. Moravians, by the way, 4 and 9. Drew is 10 and 0 on the season, 1 and 0 in conference play. Catholics 10 and 1, 1 and 1. So that might just be that Scranton's being kind of overshadowed a little bit on the year. Uh, Trinity, Texas was a big win over Howard Payne, and I mean by by points, it was a 32 point win. North Central Minnesota got past Minnesota Morris, but it needed overtime to do it. Um, other games that we just haven't gotten score updates from, so nothing jumped out at my jumps out at me all that necessarily. Um, 
So anyway, uh, Ryan apologizes for uh, all those tech glitches. Seems like maybe Google was acting up, which I can totally believe. Quickly going to check to see if you have any other comments or any other thoughts before we uh, log off here. I appreciate all you who did tune in and kind of mentioned my audio wasn't working. We'll try and find a better way. By the way, uh, if anybody listened to D3Hoops.com top uh, uh, classic, I should say, in Las Vegas, you'll know Gordon Mann was talking about about, uh, how everybody got their – mascot or where their mascot originates from i went as a result and bought the book griffins gorlocks and gusties it's written by a former division three uh, sports information director and chris Pyle. uh i'm definitely going to use have fun with this one uh reading through it and, and looking up stuff like for example we had barry on the show today their their mascot is the vikings um i just had it here we go uh mascot is victor the costume is a viking uh Victor the Viking is the name of a Barry costume mascot, which features a very bushy mustache, Neil lace sandals, and a traditional Viking helmet. The Nordic theme carries over to the Barry football facility, referred to as Valhalla Stadium, in honor of the mythical Hall of Heroes killed in battle. Um, they are called the Vikings, name chosen in 1962 through a campus contest initiated by the college's first full-time athletic director, Garland Dickey, who graduated from in 1942. So just some of the little nuances you can learn about uh, Division Three uh, nicknames and mascots, Griffins, Gorlocks, and Gusties. Maybe we'll reach out to Chris Pio, and when we do the, the marathon show, maybe we'll talk to him about that book. But that is now, if it's not going to be sitting in our bookshelf, which is back there, we'll have it on hand so that we can uh, talk about mascots and stuff in there too, about everybody we have. So that that's fun, and uh, Gordon, Gordon is the reason for that. Uh, so we thank him for that. Um. Popper says uh, food always has a strong offensive efficiency, especially chillin' or, or chillin'. I hope that's right. And Matt Snyder says food is always high on my ballot. Well, I don't disagree, folks. I don't disagree at all. Missed Bob today. Uh, he was traveling. We didn't realize that. No big deal. We it, it did force me to go out and uh, reach out to some individuals about joining us on the show, either instead of Ryan or Bob, or maybe we'll add a third occasionally. Um, it needed to be done and just wasn't done. Bob's uh, absence tonight forced it. So we've at least reached out to individuals about having them on future shows. And we only reach out to those who out themselves as top 25 voters. Uh, I don't want to reach out to somebody who hasn't done that and, and out them for themselves or force that issue. Uh, so we've reached out to that. And in the meantime, we've, we're in the process of reaching out to women's individuals for a top 25. I really want to debut it on Thursday, uh, a top 25, a double take on the women's side. Um, I got some ideas that we're going to reach out to individuals, see where we can get them to fit in and see where it goes from there. So there you go. Um, I, I think that's going to wrap it up for tonight. We went way long, um, mainly because of tech issues and some other things, but I want to thank Clay, uh, Clay Knupel uh, from Wisconsin Lutheran, Trevor Lydic from Barry, Tyler Sims from Clark, of course, Ryan Scott from D3hoops.com. Also want to thank all the sports information directors at Wisconsin Lutheran, Barry and Clark for helping us uh, with this program, including Brian, uh, Jim and um, uh, Adam really appreciate their time and, and help, especially today with my email challenges. We had some email issues and, and they, uh, they all were patient with me and I really appreciate that. That'll do it. We'll be back on the air Thursday. Just so you know, here's how we now break things down. The top 25, or, I'm not top 25, but if you remember when we did interviews in the past, uh, we broke them down by region. We had four regions on Per show uh, on Sundays, which is now Mondays, we would have the Northeast, the Atlantic, the South, and the Central. Thursdays, we'd have the East, the Mid-Atlantic, Great Lakes, and West. So what I did was I kind of took the, that that 
idea and figured out how can we do it. So Mondays, we will now have regions one, two, four, six, and eight. We will not have interviews or segments on all five of those. Regions one and two are basically going to be hybrided together as one region. Um, and then, but that covers the Northeast. Region four covers the Atlantic. Region six covers the South. And region eight covers the Central. On Thursdays now, we'll have regions three, five, seven, nine, and 10. Region 3 essentially covers the East. Region 5 covers the Mid-Atlantic. Region 7 covers the Great Lakes. And Region 9-10 will cover the West. So that's how we're going to do it. If you don't know how we do our guests, if we have a guest from a region who is a men's program, the next guest we have from that region will be a women's program. If we had a guest from a particular conference, it won't be from that conference the next time. And vice versa. If we had a women's coach from Region 1-2 this week, which we did when we had a men's, we would have a men's coach on or a men's program on the next time. If we had somebody from the new Mac, which we did this week, we would not have someone from the new Mac next week. And we don't always guarantee those regions. So we didn't have anybody today, for example, from the Atlantic region. So maybe next week we'll have someone from the Atlantic and we either skip the South or we skip the central or we skip the Northeast. So that's how we're going to break it down. It, it probably was a lot easier than we figured it would be. just took us a little longer to get there. So Thursday, regions 3, 5, 7, 9, and 10 will be our, our, our focus. Uh, we'll get guests on from those segments, and we'll hopefully debut our women's top 25 double take as well. And there you go. Don't forget to stay uh, with D3Hoops.com, of course, on Twitter at D3Hoops, on Facebook at Facebook.com slash D3Hoops, or stay with us at D3Hoopsville on Twitter, uh, www.D3Hoopsville.com. You can also find us on D3Hoops at D3Hoops.com slash Hoopsville. You can also uh, find us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Hoopsville, etc. We're on Instagram. We're the only ones on Instagram at D3Hoopsville, although we do promotional stuff mainly there, not interactions all that much. And, of course, email, hoopsville at d3sports.com. If that's not working, you're welcome to uh, email us at our regular email address, which will um, what you can find on the, on the website. Uh, also, I've had a number of coaches reach out talking about uniforms or other things that they want to send to the studios. Please feel free. It is an open invitation to anybody who wants to send swag to, to, to be put up in our studio. We're probably going to move the framed... Um, uh, uniforms to somewhere else because because the reflection is driving me nuts but we got great places to hang those up um of course that center and that ohio wesleyan jerseys are sentimental for different reasons so is the greenville one so we'll hang up uniforms we'll put them up if you send them to us if you send us swag we'll find ways to showcase it there's a as you can tell we have all kinds of swag if you didn't notice there was also even a wisconsin lutheran bobblehead sitting in the background today um if you got it, let us know. If you need an address, please send. Uh, let us know. Send us a note. Uh, coaches know how to even text me. Um, I am happy to give you our address and send it on our way. Those have also asked out about donations, whether they can help the program. We are more than happy to take donations. We very, very much appreciate that. We hope to put out a link also of equipment that we're looking to purchase for the show or for our remote work. Um, by the way, Twitter has now added a tips option. So if you follow me on Twitter, whether it's my personal account or the, the Hoopsville account, there's a tips option there, and you can use either uh, Venmo or Cash App uh, to send a donation if you want. We also on d3hoopsville.com or d3hoops.com slash Hoopsville. Uh, we also have still our donation link there, though we got to overhaul that page a bit, and I'm, I, I haven't gotten to it. But um, there is a fundraising thing in there. It's stuck. We can't get rid of it for some reason. I can't figure it out. Um, but there is something in there, I think. Uh, what is it for? Um, I think it's for Venmo. I'm looking at it right now real quick. 
under uh, right under the columnist section, there's a donate button through PayPal. Uh, that's how you can use it. Ignore the fundraising thing. I can't seem to get rid of it. We're working on it. There's a bunch of things you might notice that are missing on that page. Working to update that sometime in the near future. That'll do it. Really long show. Really apologize. Really long last segment. Really apologize for you podcast listeners. We'll sign off till Thursday. We'll be back at 7 o'clock Eastern time. You've been listening to Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com. We want to thank our partners of the National Association of Basketball Coaches and the Women's Basketball Coaches Association as well for their help, their support, and, of course, someone we can lean on as well. And I can't thank enough Blue Frame Technology for not only being a sponsor of this show in terms of our hotline, but being a platform for our streaming capabilities and needs. And, and they, they are more than helpful, and we really appreciate it. Look forward to working with them down the road. If you ever decide to change your streaming uh, platform, whether it's using the Team One Sports app to broadcast on Roku, Amazon TV, Apple TV, or um, Android TV, or it's just the Team One Sports app to, to broadcast on a mobile device or computer, please tell them you heard about them on the show or that I sent them, sent them your way. Uh, I would appreciate it because it tells them that this is a worthy venture to get involved with. That's it for every for for the show, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. Hope you enjoyed it. Uh, we will see you back here Thursday night, seven o'clock Eastern. Good night, everybody.